This is the Screaming Pods Network on ScreamingPods.com. Something's coming. Welcome to the Screamcast episode 160. I am Sean DeRager, and with me, as always, is Stephanie Crawford. Hello. With me when he wants to, and when it fits his schedule in Hollywood, is Brad Hollywood Henderson. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Hollywood, Florida, Henderson. We're just jealous, that's all. We're just, you, you, you lead a life uh, that causes... A lot of jealousy, and uh, I take that out on you in these little sarcastic uh, jabs. So, thank you. Today on the Screamcast, we are going to be talking. Um, where did my where did my screenshot go? We are talking uh, some graveyard shift, Force of Lost Souls, and the Ladies Club. Not in that particular order. But before we get to that, we have a special guest that's going to be swinging by, Tom McLaughlin, director of Jason Lives, Friday the 13th, Part 6, probably one of my favorite in the series. He is in a new movie that that is hitting all the festivals. The movie's called Rock Steady Row. So we'll be talking about uh, that and I'm sure uh, many other things, including his band, The Sloths. But before we do all that, let's jump into what's on our doorstep. Holy cow, I almost forgot. We'll get the door. <laughs> all right, uh, Stephanie, what have you, uh, what have you been watching? Um, so I've been enjoying my local video store, which is the only video store in Las Vegas anymore, Movies and Candy. And I've just been having a lot of fun diving into their catalog because the dude has um, a crazy horror section because um, he's actually a horror fan. Although he's the one who told me that Popcorn was the American remake of Demons and I had to break it to him. That wasn't true. <laughs> but other than that, he's great. Um, <laughs> That's a hot take right there. <laughs> um, so uh, a long, long time ago, I was pretty early in my horror watching career. I checked out Basket Case because it's beloved. And I was very excited. But I didn't like it uh, the first time I saw it. Uh, and I always felt really guilty about that, especially since I love Helen Lauder's other movies. Um, so when Joe Bob Briggs came back and did his last drive-in and did Basket Case, I was super excited because it was the perfect opportunity to kind of feed off his love of it and rediscover it now that I've seen like hundreds upon hundreds of more horror movies since then. And thankfully, I loved it. I, I got it. And I appreciated it. So I rented the second and third one, which I have seen before. But it was a long time. Um, The second one, um, 
it it's a great escalation. Uh, of course, we have Dwayne and Belial, um, separated brothers. They used to be conjoined. Uh, Dwayne's your regular fella, and Belial's like a evil killer sentient tumor, and he carries around in, in a basket. Uh, and the first one's pretty much uh, set in an apartment building, and the second one, um, it kind of grows and they get adopted by a woman who takes care of quote-unquote freaks um, (laughs) and very very elaborate makeup that's wonderful Uh, and I loved it and I like the second one a lot more than the first one and the third one I think like the first 20 minutes is the second movie they just used old footage um and the budget is cut a lot, but they, they're they like, screw it. We're still going to go for the prosthetics. Um, so it was a fun revisit. It's such a weird trilogy, but I think it has, like, a, a real, like, quirky, plucky heart to it. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, so I'm I'm glad I gave them a chance again. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The first time I think I saw Basket Case, I was younger. And I did not enjoy it. Um, I did actually didn't think. I don't think I even watched the second and third one. And then a few few years ago, I bought that um, steel book with three from Second. What is it? Second Sight put it out or something? Yeah, Second Sight. And I, I got it cheap, so I was like, okay, you know, this is something I haven't seen. I watched it. I ended up really liking the first one, and then I love the second one, and I'm not a fan of the third one still. But <laughs> the second yeah. one's fun because there's like additional monsters and shit. So, wait, so, is that the second one or is that the third one? No, that's the second one. Yeah, it's Moonface. Yeah, yeah, and he shows up in the third one. He just doesn't look as good. Yeah, it's um, that's actually David Image that is Moonface in that movie. So, just a heads up for those who like David Image. It's weird that he's in the movie like that, but I guess he didn't really go on to do anything after Dawn of the Dead, and he's just, like, slapped in a fucking makeup. So, So I take it you have the Arrow release of the first one? Yeah, I have the the Arrow release of the first one, and then I still have the um, Steelbook, because I didn't buy the synapse uh releases for the other two i think they put them out it's great right because now i feel like i need to get it every time someone talks about the arrow version i'm like damn it i need to get that but i already have the three packs so i'm like keep talking myself out of it but the only thing that makes me want to buy it is i guess there's this really cool documentary on the uh, yeah that's what's talking me into it also it looks really good second sight does shoddy work so Mm. It was a nice little upgrade. I mean, I'm I know that the Synapse ones are going to be better, and eventually I'll pick those up and sell the Steelbook for probably five hundred dollars. But um, <laughs> first, did I don't know. Yeah, we'll 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 <laughs> see. Oh man, people are stupid. They'll buy that in a heartbeat. Um, but yeah, eventually, maybe when I go to rewatch them again, because I just you know I watched um, I watched Basket Case twice in the past like month or two because he was it was on joe bob and then um the arrow release came out so i watched that 
I think I actually ended up watching the Arrow release and then the Joe Bob. But it was fun with the Joe Bob thing because I got to watch it with Willow. And that was, she thought it was super weird. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So did she dig Joe Bob? Yeah. Yeah. She really liked it. She was very upset that, um, that she, because basically, I mean, everybody knows about the whole fucking shit that went on. So, um, what happened was, is I said, okay, screw it. So I just pulled up my phone, right? And shutter streamed fine from my phone pretty much the entire night. So what I did is I synced it up to where the movie was playing. And then I just plugged in my phone and put my phone up to the side. And so when Joe Bob would come in, I would pause the Blu-ray on the television and then turn up the volume and then watch Joe Bob on the phone. Because I, could, I couldn't get it to work anyway. I was going to watch nine movies on my fucking phone or however movies they play. Yeah, that seems like a very inconvenient way to watch a movie. So, yeah. So, I just put it up on the side. So, every time he got to speak, I, I pulled it up. But what was really funny is that I wrote Joe Bob an email a couple weeks before um, the Shutter thing. And then I got an email back. And it was personalized. Like, I just thought it would just be kind of just this, like, you know, blanket email that they send out, you know, because I remember writing to R.L. Stein when I was little and I, I got a letter back. <laughs> yeah. But it was just a fucking photocopy of the fucking letter. Yes, and exactly. It, it wasn't and personalized look forward or to the next one. Yeah. And it's like, whatever. But I like, wrote Jim Joe Henson Bob, once. Not Jim Henson. But like, um, who? John, uh, Jim Davis. Sorry. Jim Davis. Oh. Garfield. Like Garfield. Yeah. I got it. I got an email back. And I wasn't sure if it was a photocopied autograph or like a real autograph. It was photocopied. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Joe Bob like wrote about because I told him about, you know, watching it with my kid. This is a big deal for me because this is kind of what sparked, a, a, you know, Joe Bob and my mother were two, you know, proponents of you know, me watching films and encouraging me to branch out and watch a bunch of stuff. I used to watch Joe Bob with my mom too. Um, you know, I think it was like on Thursday nights on monster vision or something. We'd stay up late. Um, every Friday was a bitch going to school cause I was so tired, but, um, <laughs> I wrote about that stuff and then he wrote back talking about that and talking about Willow. Like, you know how it's cool that I'm doing that. And, you know, he'll, promise that he'll deliver next time for willow since it was kind of an upset i just thought it was like if he's got like people writing emails that's a pretty cool thing to do i you know I'm, personally i probably think it's him because that's kind of how he is with his fans he does write back like he controls yeah. all that stuff yeah. but yeah i thought that was pretty cool but yeah willow enjoyed basket case um i forgot how weird it kind of got at the end <laughs> um but i mean she's I don't know. I'm a bad parent in the sense I let her watch a lot of crazy stuff. So nah, she's what, like 13, uh, 14? Yeah, she's 13. Yeah, yeah, she'll be fine. And that, and that's not that deep for her because, I mean, you really don't see much other than him running through the street. So I just had to put her head down <laughs> for that portion. Um, but then I forgot, like, how weird it is when uh, Blau, like, is on top of the woman. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, I forgot, I, like, honestly, I forgot about it. I was like, Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I just let it slide, see what happens, and Willow just uh, goes, yeah. um, what's going on? <laughs> but it's anyways. Fine. You're good. You're a good parent, Brad. It's fine. I'm either either you're being encouraged by another bad parent or I, I think that's I think that's, that's that kind of stuff's fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh what else what else have you been watching, Stephanie? Okay. Uh well, 
I figure since we can all talk about it, um, I watched Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Yes! <laughs> Brad, have you watched it yet? I watched it a long time ago. Oh, uh, humble brag, bro. Humble Brad, humble brag. Fine. Humble brag, Hollywood. I don't have too much to say about the new Puppet Master. Oh, shut the hell up, man. That, um, okay, sorry, I'll let Stephanie talk. Stephanie, what did you think about Puppet Master The Last Rank? No, he's on a podcast. He can't get away with that. <laughs> what did you think? Because that's all I really care about. I don't care about Brad's opinion right now. Oh, uh, sure. Okay. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I, I thought I would feel really certain about it one way or the other, whether like... Uh, I thought it was crazy fun or I'm like, ah, it's too dumb. I can't take it. And it wasn't either one. It's the first one that Charles Band didn't do himself. Mm-hmm. And you can really tell. Yeah. It's like if you're coming here, if you're coming for like classic puppet master, you are not going to get it. The puppets look different. The feeling is different. The puppets themselves are the Nazis this time. I mean, there's nothing. And I actually read an interview with Charles Band where he seems kind of taken aback by the choices. He's like, yeah, puppets are Nazis. It's a lot meaner spirited than uh, what the movies I made are. But hey, there's a lot of competition these days. So you got to make everything crazy. <laughs> you know, I I haven't seen the originals in so long. And so... Were they just because uh, because this one, they're basically part of like the final solution, like they're searching out certain kinds of people to take them out. And that's kind of the, that. And they were used, I guess, created to be used by Hitler to to be part of the final solution back in the in World War Two. What what was the original intent of the of the puppets? I, I totally I, I need I really want to revisit them. And I have I haven't seen them in since. Oh, man, it's been years. Yeah, just, I. I like this series, but I do get it jumbled, so I apologize well, for any mistakes. And hopefully, I think, the Brad time, will I, th- I think as it goes on, they kind of just kind of throw things out the window and just kind of reinvent you know, it a lot. Well, yeah, it starts no, out there's nothing; they're just straight bad little puppets, right? Like there's no backstory, anything special. And then as the series goes on, uh, they're not Nazis; they they were made almost to fight Nazis. Oh, okay, that's an interesting change then. <laughs> yeah, but um, um, I as coming into it, kind of since I didn't remember the old ones as as well. I just remember the puppets. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, Barbara Crampton was kind of channeling Phil Hartman from uh, So I Married an Ex Murderer a little bit in the, in the beginning tour. Okay. Do you get did you, you get that feel? I, I was expecting her to say, and he cut out the bitch's eyes. I was waiting for like her to. I just did say really that like line. her in it, but I'm not sure I remember. <laughs> No, it's a it's a different. Yeah, I, I I had a lot of fun with it. I really liked um, our lead character played by Thomas Lennon. Um, I don't. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him. I was I was, was like, wow, he's gonna be in a puppet master yeah, movie. I think there he was really good in it. Um, I really yeah, liked really him. Yeah, he was really naturalistic. He wasn't. Yeah. He was like low key natural, funny. He wasn't yeah. hamming it up at all. Yeah, and then there's just this over the top gore. I I, I just kind of sat back. I had a drink. Maybe a smoke or a little something, and I had a lot of fun with it. So, um, I wasn't expecting it. To, it was a puppet master movie, so it's like you know, there's like not any gigantic expectations. And as long as I was entertained, and there was the gore was off the charts. Um, I liked our lead actor Thomas Lennon. Um, 
Charlene Yee is in it and she's a lot of fun. I like uh, seeing her again. And then, yeah. of course, the Barbara Crampton. But I dug it. I dug it a lot. So I don't know. Yeah. So I I enjoyed it as well. I just it, it really does seem like it either kind of pissed people off or really disappointed them huh. or they're like, oh, it's crazy, man. It's like the best thing ever. I'm <laughs> I'm kind of in the middle. I'm like, well, I think it's interesting because I think it'd be a waste of time for someone who isn't Charlie Band to make a puppet master movie and have it just copy his formula and mm-hmm. copy the beat. So I think it was a great idea for them to go a completely different direction. Did you feel like it was missing a little bit of momentum? Because I saw a kind of a, a, a criticism of it that way where it kind of didn't, you know, it kind of didn't reach like momentum or whatever. But it, I, I, I'm not sure I agree with that. I, I but... Well, my issue was I love the beginning. I love how they established the characters because mm-hmm. they were actually interesting. I actually like spending time with them. But yeah, I think once they got to the hotel um, mm-hmm. and our lead characters became more background characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it slowed down and got a little too piecemeal for me. And probably my biggest criticism is the original Puppet Masters were really into the personalities of the puppets right and this one nothing there's literally nothing except for how they looked and there's kind of like repeats of the same puppet because obviously the whole idea is they're going to this 30 year anniversary of this like massacre (laughs) in this hotel Mm -hmm. and people are bringing all these puppets and there's obviously like copies i guess of different versions of the same puppet so it got a little confusing once a certain puppet gets dispatched and then you see it show up again and you're like, well, is that the same one? So I, I get it. But like I said, I, I, I just kind of sat back and enjoyed the ride and just, it's, it's a new puppet master movie. And you know, I know the, yeah. the original series is disjointed already. So, you know, I wasn't really expecting too much as far as like Canon, you know, so, but it, it's out and it was like 99 cents to buy on Amazon prime. So it was, I, I paid like less than a dollar to own it. Yeah, so, it's, <laughs> so it's like, it's I couldn't really 99 cents. <laughs> yeah. I didn't I, love it. I didn't hate it. I had fun with it. Yeah. Um, but I do know puppet master fans are super, super passionate. Um, so I, I'm a little, if you just want a fun killer puppet movie, it's definitely worth your time. But mm-hmm. If you're a hardcore Puppet Master fan, well, you've probably already seen it, but <laughs> in case you're a little worried about it, uh, just go in knowing that you're not going to get classic Puppet Master. You're mm. going to get new Coke Puppet Master. <laughs> or new Coke Zero Sugar oh, Puppet yeah. Master, which I'm drinking which right I've, now. Which I've learned to accept. I've joined the dark side. Awesome. What else you got? No, I'm moving on. Okay, I'll uh, I'll run through these really quick and then I'll let Brad take up the next two hours with what he's been watching. Does that sound good? That's why I keep mine short. Brad, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm just letting you go, man. <laughs> All right, really quick. Um, I got the movie Pie Wacket from Screen Factory. And if you're a fan of kind of heavy metal occult type Wiccan witchcraft horror. Uh, there's a lot to dig. Uh, this girl, it's, it's it's very low key, like like minimal characters. There's three probably main characters in it, and it's this daughter and her mom, and they kind of have this strained relationship because the father 
apparently has has died. And the and to, to to deal with the grief, the mom decides to move out to this cabin in the woods. And the daughter, of course, she's like 16, 15 or 16, and she's pissed. She's kind of her and her friends are kind of into the occult, kind of studying all this stuff. And she her and her mom get in this like huge fight that she decides to go out to uh, the woods and perform a dark magic ritual to summon Piwacket that uh, eventually will basically take out her mom. So she like not really thinking it would really work or whatever, but she kind of creates does this little uh, uh, ritual to basically off her mom. And it kind of goes from there. Uh, fun little occult horror movie. I liked the use of, of of metal in it. Of course, it almost could be considered a heavy metal movie, maybe. But uh, I think it's really well done. It's uh, tense in some parts. You kind of don't really keep you on your toes. And um, I would definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. I know it's gotten a lot of people have uh, kind of dug it. I hadn't heard anything about it, and then I heard it was good, so I was like, well, I'll take a chance on it. So I had a lot of fun with it. So pie whack it. Yeah, I like uh, that a lot. Check too. it out. <clears throat> um, next one I was kind of on the fence with uh, but it had been hyped up quite a bit is a movie called Revenge and uh, by Coralie Fargiat pronounced that wrong that um, perfect look at that name <laughs> I don't know I don't know what I was expecting I, this one this this goes like it turns into kind of this like dark fantasy um, revenge film. It's definitely not grounded in realism. And I was kind of expecting it to be a more realistic film. But early on, you kind of realize like, oh, this this girl should have been dead <laughs> a long time ago. And she's like has like superhero uh, strength throughout the film. And she kind of recovers quickly from really what you would think would be a mortal injury. But the performances are strong. Our lead character... Uh, who, who oh, is Oh, here it? we go. Another name. Matilda Lutz, um, is fantastic. She's this strong, badass. Well, it kind of, you, she kind of grows into this kind of badass character and it's, 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 it's a rape revenge thriller. And, um, I kind of, it took me a while to kind of adjust to the heightened sense of it. And normally I'm fine. Like normally I'm like, you know, uh, and, but I, but I think I would, I'd felt, as it started that this was going to be a more grounded revenge film. It's not, it turns into kind of like this R rated, like superhero type revenge film. Uh, in a sense, she's very superhero centric. Um, cause she just can't die. And, uh, but it's, but it's good. Some over the top gore. Yeah. Uh, that took me out of the, like, there's not like not realistic at all. It, it turns into like this gore film. And I was wondering what, like what you guys thought about it, because, um, once it ended, I was like, well, I kind of liked it, but, um, it was, it would kind of went for laughs in the gore department more than I thought that maybe a film like this should, but I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are. I'll let Steph talk first. No, go ahead. Um, I'll say I've seen it again. I'll say the same thing I did on one of the episodes where I talked about it. I don't like it. <laughs> um, no, like I was expecting more mm -hmm. um, out of the film, you know, and and it's like one of these things where since like it was like, oh, a rape revenge movie directed by a female. 
And I'm thinking, okay, that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you wouldn't be able to tell. It still has that male yeah. gaze. Like, I mean, for some reason, she keeps losing clothes throughout the film. And we just have, like, her, like, her ass shot, like, going up the hill. and. But we do see a lot of, of penis. So, and no, no female... Uh, Penis. Yeah. No, no, no full frontal from the female, you know, from the female, I guess. Well, a lot of pain. Well, there's also, they edited that movie too. The version that we saw before was more graphic. Huh. Um, So I know that they cut that down because the rape scene is, um, no, you get to see that a little bit more than how it's off screen in the new cut. I'm glad they did it off screen. I just, you know, but, um, yeah, I just feel that it like there's nothing like the myth, like the mythological like mythos thing with like I don't know like I, I like, like the mythology of like the fucking um, like eagle and shit like that. Mm-hmm. I just like burning the thing into her um, her skin and also that would have been off the tree. That would have been backwards. The letter would have the lettering would have been backwards, but okay, it's not. Nerd. And that really bothered me. But like all that stuff, I just was like, there's nothing different about this movie. Like, why don't we make her to the point where she like, I mean, even I spit on your grave, like, which I don't like, but I do prefer that sense of using like grounded reality in order to show that, you know, a woman could fight back rather Mm -hmm. than having these supernatural abilities that come in. And when I say supernatural, it's not like, you know, she's fucking shooting lightning bolts out of her fingers, but like to the point where, yeah, she can't die. She's like superhuman and everything like that. And then they have that Scooby-Doo ending, like where they're running around <laughs> in the house and like door to door. And I'm like waiting for Shaggy and Scooby to like pop up. Like it's just, it's just laughable, I think. And I still, I still can't get into it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it, uh, twice three times interesting yeah, yeah. I, was exp- and I, I, I don't know I, I i just like it more and more each time and i was like after i saw it in the theater i was like okay you know everybody was raving about it and i'm like okay maybe i just missed something and i watched it again and i was like this is still fucking ridiculous you know and i i just i just don't see i i don't understand the love for it either because i don't really think like you know, people say, well, it's a female director. I was like, well, it doesn't matter. Like, it's great that, you know, she's making a movie, but like, I don't, I don't see any benefit of that in a way other than a female getting a movie on the screen. Like, I don't, I just think it's a regular movie. I don't think it's in the aspect of, you know, like something like Slumber Party Massacre that's directed by a woman. There's a lot of shit in that movie that's funny where you can tell like even something as silly as that you can you can view that movie and see the aspect and the comedy behind a woman actually directing that um i don't know i'm just i'm just not into it at all <clears throat> stephanie did you uh, see revenge yet no i still haven't seen it okay yeah i, I um i the guys are all sleaze balls and they're kind of I mean, I, I maybe like from that perspective, but uh, I just didn't like the heightened reality of it in in a film like this, where I think it would have been a stronger film if it was a little more grounded, if the punches felt a little more severe, if you actually, 
felt that she was like in pain because at first you're like, holy shit, like this, she's not going to survive this. How is this? How is this even movie gonna, even going to go on? And then somehow she does. And then then it just goes into kind of, you know, daredevil territory like she's daredevil. You know, she can survive yeah. pretty much anything. And it kind of takes the the impact you of say daredevil. You mean Deadpool, right? Deadpool. Because Daredevil's blind. <laughs> Daredevil's blind and Ben Affleck. Electra. Um, <laughs> Deadpool, I apologize. Someone's going to make fun of me online for that. But uh, yeah. Um, I will. Deadpool. She's Deadpool. Um, So that kind of takes the impact away from me for it a little bit. But I still, I still have fun with it. Like It's a good little exploitation thriller. But I mean, it was nothing. Um, yeah. It's style, very stylized. And, and plus, like, she's like, I, I don't. Like in the beginning, she's just this like small little like not meek, but like very like mousy mm-hmm. uh, character that really doesn't like you don't know what's going on. And then she gets taken advantage of and then she's left for dead. Yeah. And I'm like, Ugh. like, I just wanted more to the character because I feel that her role in the beginning of the film, she's not a very good person. Like, what is to like about the character other than, like, these guys are worse than she is? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's there's no, like, it's not his fiance. It's it's his fling that he's cheating on his wife with at a, like, hidden little home. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's just, like, a lot of things rub me the wrong way, and I don't understand why it's so loved and i i just hope it's not because it's a female director directing the movie you if, know i i i don't believe that's a free pass in yeah. that sense like i i still think that you know we have to view a movie as a movie yes it's amazing that a fucking woman is directing um a rape revenge movie and it blew up i'm thankful for that but i still think the movie's not in the sense of good but that's just me. I mean, obviously, there's something there that people love because it's so popular and people mm-hmm. do like it. But, I mean, I just hope that it, we're not so much in a PC world where we automatically have to say something's great, you know, um, in the world that we live in, even even how shitty it really is. Yeah. Like I said, I kind of settled. I'm an asshole. Maybe I'm an asshole. For You're an asshole, that, Brad. But, no. no, no, I settled into it once I kind of thought like, oh, this is a superhero movie. This is a superhero revenge film and she's a superhero um, the peyote somehow made her superhuman, and we can go on from there. But anyway, <laughs> okay, I can res- I can respect I forgot it. about that. <laughs> I can respect oh, it. God. But the the peyote the peyote part, and then the fact that she does this burns the symbol into her stomach, and it's not reversed from what you saw. You still read. Oh like, my God, Sean, that's like the least. There's just no like, way it would be that way. Problematic <laughs> with the movie. <laughs> it drive me crazy. All right, moving along. Uh, I watched the movie. How about if we talk positive things? Like it's shot really well. It no, looks no, beautiful. Yeah, no, I, like, I've said that. It's it's the editing's great. Other than the Scooby Doo ending, <laughs> there's and, there, and the human body does not hold that much blood that we see in this film. It's just it's an elevated. You know, superhero movie, and and is fine as that. It's just it kind of presented itself as this kind of gritty, realistic, uh, you know, revenge film, and and that's what I wanted. And then it just goes, you know, which is fine if that's the movie it wants to be. It's just kind of, um, it just loses any any major impact, and any you don't really start. You start just you don't care because you know that if she survived 
at the, the in the first 20 minutes if she survives that there's no way you know she's gonna die you know and that's just I, how i felt and i didn't i didn't feel she would she was in any peril after after that all right moving on i watched a movie was gonna say something well what's that stephanie sorry Oh, just that from the trailer, I did get the idea that was kind of a heightened reality mm. movie more than a super realistic okay. one. I didn't watch the trailer, so I went in completely blind. It is a great trailer. It it has, um, instead of critics praising the film, it's like oh, that's right. shitty guys from the internet yes. saying crap about it. Like Brad Henderson saying crap about <laughs> it? <laughs> no, no, okay, no. yeah, th- I heard about the trailer. That's that's genius marketing. Yeah, the, tra- the trailer is great, yeah. Yeah. All right, moving along, I watched a movie called The Monster. Brad, you oh, talked God. about this. Uh, directed by the director of The Strangers, and Gosh. I did not like this movie. Cool monster, though. Moving on. Joe Dante's Burying the X. I finally watched. Quote-unquote monster. Quote-unquote monster. Uh, uh, Burying the X by Joe Dante. Uh, For some reason, I hadn't seen it. And it's Anton Yelchin, of course. uh, May he rest in peace. But basically, him and his girlfriend, they're not doing well. And he's going to break up with her. She ends up dying. But due to some sort of voodoo curse uh, thing in his little horror shop that he works at, she comes back from the dead and she's like one of those crazy ex-girlfriends. But she's a zombie. But meanwhile, uh, he, of course, has met a super cute little uh, Olivia. Don't played get by creepy Alexandria Daddario. Uh, super cute ice cream Jesus. shop owner. And he oh likes her. God. But... <laughs> Zombie ex-girlfriends getting in the way. It's okay. I thought it was cute. It's cute. No, it's it's fine. It um, you know what? It the first like three fourths of the film feels like a PG thirteen film because I was like, this is rated R. I was like, I didn't feel the R ratedness of it, and then it kind of goes into zombie territory near the end, and uh, and it's great. Well, it's like Gremlins, you know. It's a nice yeah. Christmas picture until it isn't. Yeah. What I like about uh, like Joe Dante really kind of brings in the whole L.A. You, it feels it's there's all these little L.A. references that are great, and um, they they watch of course like Night of Living Dead in a graveyard. I think they really do do that. Uh, there's um, and all the little shops, and then the the theaters, some of the like the New Beverly's in it, and uh, I've been to the New Beverly before, and so it's kind of fun to see that kind of stuff. But a fun little movie. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's pretty fun. Little harmless, little Joe Dante film. And, uh, I just, he needs to keep making movies. And I feel like he hasn't had like a really huge hit, you know, lately. And it's just from the director of like the burbs, one of my favorite comedies of all time. I'm just, I'm waiting for him to kind of get just one more, you know, classic in there. Uh, and then finally, uh, two more things, uh, umbrella, Films released Razorback. They upgraded it. They uh, remastered it in 4K, apparently, and uh, they released it on this Beyond Genres um, cool little series. And it's a and I want that. It's a lot of fun. Um, it looks fantastic. Cause I have the old Blu-ray. The old Blu-ray just looked like shit. But it was like, ah, oh, it's Razorback on Blu-ray. It's fine. Whatever. But they really outdid themselves with this. I'm still, I don't know why this hasn't gotten like 
a stateside region, whatever region A release. It but will the, fucking well, Warner but, Archive owns it. I know, and I've been ta- I've I've talked to Matt over at Warner Archive, and he loves it. And uh, apparently, the the big wigs over there at uh, Warner Brothers don't think it'll do well. But uh, this put um, the dumbest movies on Blu-ray will be fine. But they, they he, he even helped like he told me there was a rest- restoration going on and they even screened it but like there's no announcement and then Umbrella beats them to the punch and releases a region free awesome Blu-ray with amazing artwork uh, a shit ton of special features and uh, so I'm gonna say same you know, with Rose hey, Games Warner Archive you guys missed out sorry Umbrella killed it so everyone buy the Umbrella uh, release of Razorback damn throwing shade on the fucking show yeah yeah throwing shade. Matt's Matt's on my side. He know he knows what's up. Matt, you know what's up. We're buds. Uh, and then finally, uh, Dagon got a couple of. Is that pronounced Dagon? Dagon. 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 Uh, got two releases. Umbrella did release it. Uh, Region B Blu-ray, and then um, with like their artwork, they're killing it with the artwork on this Beyond Genres series here. Uh, and then of course, Vestron Vestron Video released. Uh, a Blu-ray of it, and of course, the Vestron Video one is probably twice as much as the Umbrella one, and it's the exact same transfer. And the only difference is there are a couple commentaries and some extra interviews on the Vestron Video release. So if you just want the movie, and if you can find it for cheaper, and you have a, I haven't tested to see if this is region free. I actually, I think it might be, but uh. If you guys want to hit me up, and I'll test it out, hit me up and let me know. Um, Twitter, Sean C. DeRager. And, but um, I love this flick. I'm glad it's on Blu-rays. I've had the DVD forever. Uh, looks fantastic. So either way, um, it looks great. Some people were kind of saying, oh, it looks like it got digitally cleaned or whatever. They look, it's, I mean, it looks fine to me. It's not, it doesn't look like when they did this whole digital reworking of Predator, like all that waxing bullshit um i think it looks good yeah i got it too and i think it suffers that it does look great but the cgi effects were Mm. a little iffy at the time that's yeah really let you see them and that might be throwing people off well that was the problem with the dvd too it just the the the, those effects were never going to get better (laughs) there's just no way so it's just you got to kind of have just have the roll with it but everything else of the film but that scene of uh, the effect of the guy ripping off his face is just one of the best gore gags I think I've seen in any film. So it's worth it for that. But yeah, the CG effects do kind of take you out of it a little bit. But, you know, um, if you're a fan of this uh, this film, you haven't seen it or whatever, uh, it's 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 one of the few really good Lovecraftian type films out there. And um, it, it for what it is, I just said for what it is, Mike, uh, Mike Delaney is going to give me some shit now. Uh, it looks pretty great on blue. Neat. And with that sip of uh, Coke, zero sugar, and whiskey, uh, I'm moving this on to Brad. All right, I'm going to blow through so much shit right now. Blow um, it. I might, I might spend five seconds on a movie. Um, all right, so I rewatched uh, Ghost Watch with Willow because she's never seen it, and I um, remember watching Ghost Watch as I was a kid. And I it love frightened me. Watch. So I rewatched <laughs> right. it. Movie's still kind of creepy, man. Like I got creeped out again, and I knew what was going on. Um, Mr. Pipes is just fucking terrifying, even though we don't really get to see too much of um, 
Mr. Pipes. He's like in like I think like six or seven scenes very very quickly, but it's still super creepy. Um, but yeah, Ghost Ghost Watch is is great. It's streaming on Shutter, I believe. Um, it really holds up. Um, it really paved the way for a lot of these uh, kind of found footage um, horror films, and also you know it's a it pulled from um one of the warren stories which when you're watching ghost watch if you haven't seen it you're gonna say man this is a lot like the conjuring 2 uh at at one point and that's because it is it's based off that story um in the beginning anyway um watch the strangers oh, do we talk about the strangers too because i got to rewatch that and i saw I a different think edit i've seen it i don't think i've brought it in i don't think i've really did I talk about it at all? I, th- um, I think you I think did. I briefly I, did. I briefly it's did. fine. Like, yeah, I, I know that too. <laughs> I know they shortened it up a little bit. Um, it's It was shorter this time around, hmm. which is fine. I like how it's an open area and not like in a, you know, in a house um, the entire time. I think the music's a lot of fun. Um, the pool scene's a lot of fun. Um, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's a fine movie. It's a fine rainy day movie to be entertained. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so next up, Tomb Raider. I didn't hate it, which was weird. I loved um, it, dude. I, I thought, had a lot I thought of fun it was with fine. It. Um, you know, I would watch a sequel. Um, I like to see that uh, Roar is doing um, American films, so hopefully he does more. Um, he's a hell of a director. If you haven't seen like Cold Prey and Escape and um, The Wave, I highly mm. suggest checking those out. They're a lot of fun. What did you think of um, Alicia Vikander as uh, yeah, Laura Croft? Yeah, she's great. She's yeah. um, she's very charismatic. I just wish that they did more with her as far as dialogue rather than action. But, you know, yeah, it's fine. You get to kind of like her in the first kind of 15 minutes, and then it kind of goes from there. But, yeah, no, she's... Uh, she, yeah, she's great. She, I think she's perfect as, as Laura Croft. I watched this with my daughter, and she just loved it. So she just... Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I really Willow, hope this gets a Willow dug it too. Yeah, I hope this. I hope. I hope this made enough money on its home video release that it gets a sequel because it's a solid film. Like I don't get people trashing it because it's, you know, it's good, man. Walton Goggins is in it. I mean, come on, it's the Goggins. It's it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Don't, don't don't. I loved it. Don't don't I, ejaculate. I, I, <laughs> I've actually heard mostly positive things yeah. about it. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people think oh, Tomb Raider. Oh shit, it was actually okay. Like you know, um, I was one of those people. So um, next up, um, this is a Blu-ray actually released by Shout Factory. Uh, eventually, got around to seeing this. I bought this a couple years ago and never watched it. Um, <laughs> but it's called Brazilian Western. It's um, it mixes in like uh, genre films and of course western and set in brazil and it's about uh kind of a drug trafficking thing some shit goes wrong and it's about a bunch of dudes with drug dealers and it's but it's not a drug gangster movie like that it has a western element that's a lot of fun it's set in modern times but it has this western feel it's very very unique um style of filmmaking and everything based in like i said present day brazil but drug trafficking and drug dealers, but with a Western touch, like all Western. It's, I thought that was really, really cool. Um, very, very good movie, a really fun story. 
Um, great, great music, great soundtrack, um, great score as well. It's uh, definitely one of those up there. I hope more people get to see it because I never, I remember hearing about it and then buying it and then forgot that I had it and then never heard anybody talk about it at all. <laughs> so um, definitely check it out. Um, What's it next, called again, Brad? Uh, one more time for the listeners. Brazil, Brazilian Western. Pretty easy Brazilian to remember. Western. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds cool. Next up, I, I, I really was excited to watch this. Um, this is a, a horror anthology that was um, directed by uh, the Red Letter guys. They did The Barn. Uh, it was one of the Justin, uh, um, uh, what's his name? C- Justin Seaman is his name? Simon, maybe? Siemens just sounds weird as a last name. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's not that. Um, but anyways, it's his horror horror anthology, um, appropriately titled 1031, which all takes place on Halloween night, uh, a mixtures of stories, um, kind of the old hag uh, story, um, vampires, uh, killer kids, stuff like that. Um, it's fine. It's by the um, other directors is the guy that did um, Bone Jangles, um, which is a wild eye movie, no big deal. And, um, <laughs> uh, the volumes of blood horror anthology. So if you like, oh, okay. you know, weird, cheap, um, horror films like the barn, uh, 1031 is definitely for you. Um, watched, uh, cause I had shutter for a month here cause I signed up for it for, you know, Joe Bob and I watched uh, a movie on there. I've never even heard of little Aaron Mary Merriweather. Um, do not watch that movie. We're moving on. Um, <laughs> I got around to watching. I, I was really excited about this because I don't know how I kept missing it because I had chances to see it, but I always passed up. Yeah, I believe the direct, director's named Damien Leone. He directed a, um, a short called Terrifier back in the day, and then he made a, um, a movie called All Hallows Eve, which was Terrifier and a short mixed in with a horror anthology dragging out to a feature And Mm -hmm. most of the shorts featured Art the Clown. So he eventually got around to doing Terrifier the movie, which is a feature with Art the Clown. Uh, Art is terrifying. I'm not scared of clowns, but this motherfucker's the creepiest son of a bitch in the room. (laughs) Um, Terrifier is brutal as fuck. The short was brutal and very mean. And I was like, are they going to do that with the movie? They actually step it up a little bit and just start slaughtering everybody. I mean, there's a sequence where a woman's hanging upside down and he decides to take a saw and put it in her vagina and then start cutting down, splitting her in half. Jesus. That's, that's the type yeah, of shit that we're gnarly. watching. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun in the sense because it's mean spirited, but it's not gross. It's I don't know. It There's a certain <laughs> tone to the movie where it doesn't really hit in that note. Yeah, I still had a lot of fun with it. Um, and art's creepy still, and it does take a couple turns where you don't think it's going to, like, we just start killing everybody, even, like, you know, like, you have all the, this, this cast, and it's just like, you know what, art's kind of the star of this movie, so, um, he's not gonna die, but anyways, it's a lot of fun, it's fun for gore heads and shit like that. I got to watch The Incredibles 2, um, <laughs> it's so fucking good. It's stupid. It's so, it's so good. It's ridiculous. It's so funny. I was laughing out loud in the theater hysterically. So was Willow. Like belly laughs. 
horror movie. Well, fuck podcast. it, man. Who gives a shit? <laughs> no, this is a movie podcast. <laughs> and I, I watch I watch movies. Um, it is a yeah, solid th- sequel. Yes. Oh my god, it's so good. Um, watch Ready Player One. Garbage. Um, fuck you. Ne- Don't get next me started up. on that book. What? That is oh, it's terrible. It's one of the worst books ever written. I, I've no, never read I, the book. All I know is okay. Oh here's the deal God. with re- the <laughs> movie's <laughs> terrible okay. too. Oh, if here ever I deeply begrudge someone their success, usually I don't bother. But <laughs> this guy. Did you ever see that documentary about them digging up the ET Atari game? No, that just sounds he boring. Like, no, he the the writer of it, uh, Ernest Klein. He's yeah. like, he just shows up. He's like, oh, I'm going to show up. And he friggin' shows up to them digging up the E.T. game out of the desert in the DeLorean they used in the movie with like a giant stuffed E.T. <laughs> and I already hated this guy's book. And I was just like right. sitting there in my chair. Well, look, I have not I have not read the book. Um, I, I like fanboys. I like fanboys. I went to this. Make a few more movies. <laughs> he got one of the last Spielberg movies. I know. Right. So look, I I watched this with with my kids, and they're super into like VR and all this stuff, and their imaginations were just going at this whole idea. Of, I'm sure it'd be fun as an eight well, year old. Yes. Cool. Yeah. So, and we're talking about adults. Right? No, no, I know. Yeah, but listen, I don't give but a listen. What a kid like. <laughs> but listen, Jacob, Jacob, and Danny, and Noah are gonna watch that movie when they're like in thirty years, and they're gonna say, "Daddy, you're a piece of shit for making us watch this." <laughs> All right, well, but it opened up their, their. They started asking about all these other Spielberg movies and all these other '80s movies, no, and it kind I'm of. I'm totally on so board with kids. It, kids it like brought that. brought them into the full. But I had a lot of fun like- with it. I don't know. And then the Shining sequence is so fun. I don't understand the like. Sean, Sean, have you showed them the Iron Giant yet? Of Sean course, the I've shown them. Fuck of that. course, they've been watching. They've watched the Iron that's Giant like so many times. Picture. Look, the Iron Giant is right. a better movie than Ready so, Player One. But, so 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 moving on. All right, moving, moving on. on. Sorry. Okay. Um, watch. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know if I talked about this, but Game Night. Oh um, yeah, definitely one of the best movies of the year. So Top ten for sure. It's it's There's fucking hysterical. Uh, Pacific Rim two, not so much garbage. No. Um, no. Isle of Dogs. I didn't get to see this at South by. I loved Isle of Dogs a oh, lot. I it too. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. And not because I am a dog lover. Which I am, so I'm gonna. I'm biased. I'm gonna love anything with puppies. Are you um, a Wes Anderson lover? I kind of, yes. I would say I like Wes Anderson. I don't love Wes Anderson, but I do enjoy most of his movies. I don't like Fantastic Mr. Fox though. Same here. So, so I was a yeah. little worried, but yeah, yeah I was. A, I was a little worried about Isle of Dogs because I know it kind of had that thing, but no, it was really good. It's better than um, yeah. It's it's better than Fantastic Mr. Fox. If you watch the special features, they do these interviews with the act with the dogs. Like everyone's in character, uh, awesome. and it's all animated. It's hilarious. Yeah. So worth a watch and if you buy the Blu-ray. Let's see here. And um, I watched Agfa's uh, release of uh, God Monster of Indian Flats, and I can't remember if I saw it. I thought I did. And the movie's goofy as fuck. Um, a lot of fun though. Um, because it's really silly. Um, watch Mission Impossible 6. Not for me at all. Um, next up, <laughs> spend a little bit, a couple more seconds on this one. Um, so I've never 
um, seen this film. Um, this is from Eureka Overseas, Masters of the Cinema. Um, but uh, Eureka released Cure by Kiyoshi, or yeah, Kiyo- Kiyoshi, I guess is the first name. Kurosawa, not related to hmm. uh, Akira Kurosawa at all. Um, but anyways, this movie Cure, and I love this movie so fucking much. Um, I didn't want this movie to end. It is so fucking good. It is these detectives that are um, tracking down a killer in Tokyo. And it is so unsettling. It's fucking scary as shit. And one of the best movies I've seen in a long, long, long fucking time. Like, it is such a mindfuck of a movie and gets under your skin. Um, I was not expecting it. I was just watching, like, I thought I was going to watch some, like, police procedural where police get out of hand and take matters in their own hands, like a lot of, you know, Japanese and Korean films do, where it's like cops don't really wear the badge. Um, But no, this is very much like... (laughs) a couple dudes like digging deep into this serial killer that is tearing people apart. And, um, if you look at the poster, there's an X and that X means a lot. When I first saw it, I was like, why is there an X? And then you get to see it in the movie and you're like, Oh shit. Fuck my life. Um, but yeah, (laughs) that's probably one of the best, um, one of the best films I've ever seen in my entire life. Wow. Completely, completely floored me. I was like, Eureka release. Yeah. And it's a really, really nice release too. It's, um, they do um, great work. Yeah. It's the, the transfer is great and it really works because the cinematography in this movie is so unsettling as well. The way it's shot, the shadows kind of the fever dreamish look that it has. It's just, it's just, it's perfect all around perfect. Um, so I was really excited because uh, uh, some of these films came out and I bought them um, because I've heard good things about this one, which is directed by the same guy. It's um, called Creepy. So another film by Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Um, this one is, oh my God. So it is this, and it's another kind of police um, thing dealing with another killer, but a completely different film. Like it's, I watched them back to back. I was really excited because Cure hit me so hard. I was like, all right, so let's watch Cure. Is like from the early '90s, um, or actually no, 1997, and this is 2016. This is another Eureka release, um, and they do such good packaging too. Like, but anyways, um, this one is. Again, another unsettling film. It's about a detective who has um, retired because of an injury. And he moves away with everything with his wife. And they move into this little place. And they introduce themselves to the neighbors. But there's one neighbor that's really, really weird. Um, Just acts really odd. Like he has something wrong with him. And then one day he's talking to the daughter of the creepy man and she runs up to him and whispers and says don't say anything but that man's not my father 
and it just spirals down into <laughs> fucking insanity. Um, so fucking good. Um, another kind of mystery uh, serial killer thing, but on a different playing field. Not brutal, but I mean, the name of the movie is creepy, which is kind of um, lame, but works because the movie is actually creepy. So um, highly recommend this. Uh, I mean, I know I talked about it on Twitter and then people were like, oh, yes, he's amazing. And I'm like, yes, I don't know why I haven't really watched and dove into his um, filmography before. I mean, I've known the guy existed. Um, I think because he directed um, uh, Pulse, which I really, really love. Oh, okay. And then he also did um, what is the other film? Um, I think it was Tokyo Sonata I watched. I don't know how I watched that movie. It was just out of the blue I watched it. But, anyways, I watched that and I enjoyed that. But I can't, I really want to see this movie that he did in the early. Um, or the late 80s called Sweet Home, but apparently it's like super unavailable. Hmm. Um, so I'm kind of pissed about that. Um, so next up, Sean, this is for you. How many more do you have? Jesus Christ. I have like a million. Um, so you're making me stay up, so I'm just going to stay up. Um, <laughs> so I'm surprised you haven't watched this yet. Is that um, you need to watch this movie called The Aftermath. Um, so Steve Barkett did two in Steph, you would like this too, for sure. If, because Sean probably won't like it. Um, <laughs> so Steve Barkett did like two films in his, uh, in his day, he did empire of the dark, uh, or that he directed, I think he only directed two films, uh, empire of the dark and the aftermath. Um, the aftermath is great because oh, man. I remember this. Po- I've seen this poster. It's, um, like yet, like something like Dark Star, with O'Bannon and Carpenter, like how cheap they did that in the ship. Well, that's all you really see is the ship. I mean, they took muffin pans and turned them upside down for <laughs> buttons, and a beach ball was a fucking alien. Um, but imagine if they got off the ship. That's kind of what the aftermath's like. So it's these astronauts that uh, land on Earth, and Earth has been basically destroyed after a nuclear war. Um, and it's uh, filled with um, survivors, but they're all mutated, but not really because they didn't have any makeup effects. It's just that they're mutated. And one of the um, uh, lead guys is a guy named uh, Cutter, who's played by Sid Haig. Um, and it's just basically them going around and just killing everybody. And it's just Steve Barkett's character. And you like look at the poster and like this guy's ripped. Steve Barkett is just look has like this dad bod on him. <laughs> I love and, it. And he and he acts like the total badass, but he's like balding. In one and he looks like a soccer dad coach or something, and he's saving the world. Holocaust but um, it, it was a rewatch for me because I haven't seen it since like VHS. Um, and um, Panos Cosmatos, uh, director of uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow and the upcoming Andy. Um, him and I talk about this movie quite a bit because these movies were very, very hard to find um, years ago. And uh, hopefully they do Empire of the Dark because it's just as good. So um, <laughs> the quote on the Blu-ray here, this is put out by... Um, is it Code uh, Red? No, no, this is a BCI, so it's super oh. cheap through BCI Entertainment. Um, it's one of their retro titles. And it looks good. It's a, it's a, a decent transfer from what has existed so i think it's like 2k from the negative but it looks it looks fantastic um 
it, however, the, the, like the Blu-ray does look like a boot, but like because of the cover. But I mean, it's it's totally Super legit. Um, but anyways, it's such a great movie, Sean. You would probably love that because of the oh, sci-fi right nerd that you are. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's totally you. Um, so next up is uh, Steph. I think you need to watch this movie. Okay. So we're not. Since I'm not, you know, brought up the Incredibles and not talking about straight horror and sci-fi like Sean wants, this movie was called Vazante, I believe is how it's pronounced. Um, Sean, this is not for you because this movie is um, uh, good. Some artsy fartsy um, bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's super artsy fartsy. <laughs> so, uh, female director, which we'll focus on because it's just fucking phenomenal movie. Um, I mean, the cinematography in this movie is breathtaking. It's so fucking good. So it's set in, uh, as soon as I say the year, Sean's going to eye roll. So it's set in Brazil in 1821. And it's about this guy who uh, returns home um, to his wife who owns uh, kind of a plantation in Africa. and um, Or, I'm sorry, in Brazil, but African slaves. And um, he arrives and his wife is dying. And uh, so immediately she dies. He has the baby. He needs to remarry. And he re- this is really weird. And don't let this turn anybody off if you're interested in this stuff. He marries his like 14 year old niece. Um, <clears throat> and what? it gets it, it really does. It does push kind of push a tiny bit of limits, but they're very careful of how they do it. And um, he's away. So it's basically her isolated with these people, these slaves, she uh, friends and gets to know while kind of her racist um, husband, quote unquote husband is, um, you know, uh, dispatched a lot, you know, around um, the country and then comes back and then tries to have a relationship. This with this uh, young woman. Um, Yeah, it gets, it does get a little weird. But, I mean, it's fucking devastating, too. Like, it hits so fucking hard. I love the ending of this movie. But um, it's it's a fantastic drama. It's paced really, really well. It does run. It does hit the two-hour mark, but it doesn't feel like it. Um, but it's just a really beautiful movie that has um, de- definitely pushes the boundaries quite a bit. Um, but re- just a really all-around great film. Um Cat, Cat of Nine Tales is out on Blu-ray. Everybody's seen that, right? Again, mm-hmm. it has like five so, Blu-ray releases. Yeah, well, this one is apparently the best. So okay, um, I can't keep up because it's Which Arrow. One? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. release. Um, Super Troopers two, not good at all. Hilarious, hilarious. Oh, dude, dude, are you serious? hilarious? Dude, that's one of the no. You're you're fucking with me. I might have been smoking a little bit of stuff, but I watched. Yeah, it. It yeah, funny. the movie's terrible. Um, I just that's pretty much all for the new stuff. I watched a lot of old stuff. Dude, Super Troopers, we, Super Troopers Two is oh a God. funny little follow-up. If you like Super Troopers One, which is dumb as shit, but has one of the best openings like I've ever Troopers seen one. in a comedy, Super Troopers Two is like it's not as funny, but it's fun. The only you know? funny part about that movie is when Jay Transish- Chandris Shakar's character, whatever his name is, he takes those feminine pills. 
because he yeah he's he keeps taking the movie him. and it's really fucking funny uh, because they just keep yeah. overdoing it to the point where it's like exhausting but then it gets funny again um but they run that joke into the ground just like everything else in the movie it's dumb but it's fun i mean it's it it does what a comedy uh, should do and it's just no funny. it does not it's dumb it's dumb funny it's good it's good no Shut up, Brad. A new movie that we have um, out, which I prefer to Revenge, um, is a movie called Animalistic. Um, it is actually by the directors of Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Um, they did a movie um, a few years ago, uh, very reminiscent to The Evil Dead, called Wither, which I consider a little bit better than um, The Evil Dead. Um, it is one of the bloodiest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. And they have another decent movie called Blood Runs Cold, um, kind of a slasher. So um, this is their third film. They did this before Puppet Master and Littlest Reich. Um, I believe the other title originally was released called uh, We Are Mothers, and um, which is not the best title in the world. I do like um, the title that we gave it, Animalistic. I'm not biased. Um but it is a better rape and revenge movie, right? I'll just say revenge, revenge movie. It's really pushes the limits, but it also gets really down and dirty. And I believe that is how um, you should do it. Trying. I mean, in a way, I, I think there are some changes that could have been made, Um if you're on Vudu, you're safe. You can watch the rated version. If you want the unrated version, which does kind of go a little overboard, um, you can get the DVD through us. Um, but if you want on the safe through side... Through Screamcast? What? Can... Through Screamcast? Do we, are we distributing movies now? Yay. What? You said through us. Who's us? Wild Eye release. Wild Eye. Oh, Wild Eye. Because you're... You gotcha. wanted me to pitch a Wild Eye movie. No, I said we're going to be talking about a Wild Eye movie. Oh, I just did. Animalistic. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, hey, I mean, everybody, if you, if, you, if you guys haven't been paying attention, Brad has been doing some work for Wild Eye releasing. Uh, so. There we go. Is that, is that all you've watched? Are you done yet? Are you done now? I can call it quits right now. <laughs> okay, I would like to go again. Oh, I finally okay. watched Body Parts. Uh, oh, oh yes. So good. Yeah. I loved it, and I only bring that up because Brad told me to remind him to send me the work print version. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, reminding yeah. All right, yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to. Um, because when we moved, I put all my hard drives away, and I have a digital work print of the movie. It's not that much different, but it does have like an extra five minutes, and it's a little bit gorier at times. Um, a couple scenes are extended. Um, which really work. Um, I think I also have to send you link, right? Because I have the work or it's not yeah, the work print of yeah. link. It's Once the extended. It's, out, man. Yeah, it's over. like the UK version of link. It's really? not a work print though, but um, yeah, there's like 15 minutes in link. By the way, but if you want to watch link, I believe it is the full movie is still up on YouTube. Uh, by some anonymous person. Some unsavory fella. Put it up on YouTube. I have no idea who they who did it. And also, if you're a Patreon member, a Club Scum member, um, it might be available through there as well. But Link is awesome. 
So we will take that down immediately after it's released. <laughs> Watch it while you can. It someone needs to release that thing on yeah. Blu-ray because it's a it's a fun movie. All right, um, are are we ready to move on? I mean, sure. if we have Shockma, we should have Link. Oh, but God, yeah, Shockma. God bless Shockma. We should have Primal Rage. I think Primal Rage is getting a Blu-ray. But anyways. Oh, hi. I'm Andrew Palmer with Rocksteady University. And I want to welcome you wonderful parents and these beautiful new freshmen to our amazing school. A school that kids are dying to get into. <laughs> place where your kids can learn a higher education. Safety is our highest priority. Your children are going to find friends. Friends that last a lifetime. What's got you waiting? Join us at Rocksteady University. And don't forget, bring your bike. Here on the Screamcast, we pride ourselves in riveting interviews when we can get them. And uh, I'm super excited to have on the Screamcast today uh, the director and writer of Jason Lives, Friday the 13th, Part 6. Uh, Did you as, just use a question mark at the end of that? As well as One Dark Night. I'm being facetious, facetious here. Wow. Okay, it makes sense because you can't speak right now. That's fine. <laughs> I can't. Uh, Tom McLaughlin uh, joins us on the Screamcast. Tom, welcome to the Screamcast. Well, thank you very much. Um, I'm the one that shouldn't be talking as a former mime. In all my communication, you have to have to look at me if you want to <laughs> see, see what I have on my mind <laughs> or on my mime. Well, um, I mean, just it, it seems like recently uh, a lot of people have been bringing up a lot of the Jason, uh, the the Friday the Thirteenth films, and uh, I, I saw it was a day or two that I saw a lot of people talking about Jason Lives, and uh, so it was exciting to kind of see all these uh, these films kind of coming back around. They're always uh, they're always on some on on uh, everyone's minds, and uh, uh, Jason Lives. I think uh, Jason Lives is one of my favorite ones because this is. Uh, once it gets to Jason Zombie or Zombie Jason, of course, these get to be my favorite films just because uh, these get really fun. So uh, glad to have you with us. And the reason why well, we have you. you on it, you uh, you are in a, a film as uh, you play the janitor in a film called Rock Steady Row. Right. We'll talk about this film and I'm sure Brad and Stephanie have uh, some other questions for you, but um, what? How did you get involved with this film here? And yeah, the director Trevor Stevens uh, was a student at uh, Chapman uh, University, Dodge College, and uh, he was like one of those standout young directors that was just you know amazing. And he made a short film called Run, which just kind of blew everybody away. And uh, I have a band called The Sloths. And so I approached him about doing a music video and I said, just listen to the album and whatever you want to do of any song, you know, pick, pick one. And he picked a song called one way out that we do. And, uh, you know, if anybody out there wants to see it, it's on, uh, YouTube, you know, the sloss one way out. And he did a spectacular job on that. And then, you know, he, he got a feature film and, uh, called me up and said, uh, I got a part I'd love you to do if, you, if you're into 
acting again. And I said, yeah, it'd be fun. I would love to, you know, cause my whole life as a kid was, was all around wanting to be Boris Karloff or Peter Lorre or Bella Lugosi, you know, and of course, as a lot of people do, you know, you identify with a movie based on the character that you like. And then eventually you find out that, oh, they didn't just make that all up. They, they actually have writers and directors and producers and all that. So it was kind of going for me back to that childhood dream of getting to be this, you know, kind of sinister oddball character that collects bodies. And, um, as we started shooting, uh, Trevor just kept giving me more scenes to do, more things to get involved with until I ended up actually narrating the film and kind of, uh, I don't want to say what happens at the very end, but <laughs> hopefully people will, will see it. But it was it was a great time, and it was a lot of, you know, wonderful energy that all these guys had. And, you know, he did, he did some stuff that I was just blown away by with that film, too. He's, he's a very talented guy. Awesome. Yeah, I really, um, I really enjoyed the film um, because of, like, it has this weird, like, nostalgia thing going for it as well kind yeah. of like this dystopian like uh time between these colleges but, but it's kind of set up like an old school western too like um yeah. like what western influences so it's it's it, well, like when you first start it you just kind of you're it's a little off-putting because it's so different like you're expecting maybe yeah. some college comedy but the the deeper that it goes it has these unique um you know, uh, beats in the film, a unique look. And, uh, it was, I think it was maybe like 20 minutes in. I was like, Holy shit, this is kind of like set up like a, like a Western. It's, it's, it has so many Western influences, but we're dealing with, you know, fucking bros and jocks stealing bikes and, you know, frat versus frat type thing. It was just very odd and it really does stand out. Yeah. I was a, I was a big fan of it. Yeah, it's it's a classic, you know, mashup of this generation where you take, you know, like he's a great fan of the spaghetti westerns in particular. So a lot of those shots and things were a direct homage to those kinds of films. And he also wanted to say something about the whole college thing, um, you know, having just graduated. So it's it's something that, you know, we as, you know, teachers of film and and uh and fans as well, you know, always are talking about is, you know, if you're going to, you know, steal something, steal from the things that influenced you, you know, and be right up front about it and which he is. And, uh, you know, but he, he put the, all these elements together in a way that it, it felt fresh. And, you know, I had a similar thing happen with my Friday the 13th, cause I was scared to death that the fans would hate the fact I put in all this comedy but after all these years, what it's been 32 years, I guess, it still works. I just saw, you know, sold out screening of it uh, literally from last Friday the 13th, you know, about a month ago. And hearing them laugh and scream and say the lines with the, you know, with the characters, you know, made for a much more fun and a little more timeless, uh, you know, of a piece. So, you know, Trevor did a very similar thing. I think this, this film will be around for quite a while because he's got, you know, so many just cool things in there that are relatable over, you know, I think a few generations. Yeah, I agree. And I'll oh, go ahead, Steph. Sorry. Um, just what was that like? Because that's interesting that he's so young and you were used to seeing him in a student aspect and then actually being on the set and seeing how he worked. What was that like for you? seeing how, how Trevor does stuff. 
yeah, just with all your experience, um, even he's very talented, but he's very new. Um, I'm just wondering what it was like to see him work on the other side of the camera. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole thing with students now is, um, well, maybe it's my attitude. I'm still a student as far as I'm concerned. And I think you never, you never stop learning. And as soon as you say, you know, yeah, I think I got it all, you know, you're, you're dead, you're over because there's always going to be something new if you're open to it. So it's kind of the way that we work at Dodge um, College is that, you know, we're very, very open to the input of the, of the student and, you know, they want to learn craft. They want to learn history. You know, they want to be grounded in the rules. And yet at the same time, you know, I, I try to stand back and say, look, you know, learn the rules, you know, so you have that, that structure down. But then as soon as you get out there, do everything you can to make it your own, you know, break the rule, bend the rule, do whatever, um, which, you know, I think he did very much with uh, Rocksteady Row. Um, and blending a number of things. And I remember watching the different cuts. I think I was more impressed through the post-production because being on the set, you know, it, it felt like any professional set, you know, except very few people because, you know, they didn't have much of a budget, so they didn't have, you know, this army of people around, which made it a little more family, you know, and a little more, you know, intimate and, and uh, you know, fun and that we're all kind of making a movie together like kids and then in the post, there was so many of these different changes and effects and the coloring and um, the sound effects and the music, um, you know, the, as I was watching the layers kind of come into this thing. And when I finally saw it all together with an audience, I was like, wow, it was, it just evolved, you know, so much, you know, from the edit, you know, the kind of rough edit that I saw all the way to, you know, to the final cut. And uh, obviously, audiences have responded quite well to it at film festivals and things because it is so different. And I'm I'm just very proud of him. I mean, he's just you know a great guy. And and so there's you know just just that admiring somebody that's you know just starting his career and all the possibilities that are still out there for him. Stephanie, are are you on to see if you're if we're able to hear you, or did you bow out? I'm not hearing anything now. <laughs> We were having some technical difficulties uh, with with the Skype, so no problem. She sent me a, um, we're, we're fine. She sent me some of her questions here. So Stephanie's typing to me. All right. Um, how did your, your so you were previously a mime, and uh, how did that, I'm, I'm sure that kind of came in handy for you, but this was, uh, th- this role was, uh, was a more of a silent role for you, and uh, did you kind of tap into the, the mime experience all the way back? Yeah, I mean, the thing with, I mean, of course, the way mime is looked at after all these years is, you know, somebody in a white face <laughs> bothering you in your, in the park or someplace or in the mall. Right. And it's become much more of an obnoxious thing than what was, you know, what the real art of pantomime is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I again, it's something that I teach the students, and it's also the name of my production company, Cinemime because I really much believe in visual cinema and D.W. Griffith was the first one to say, you know, film is the first universal language we have because we can talk to the world and everybody understands what's going on there because, you know, the good silent movies didn't have a lot of title cards. So you really were understanding based on mime, based on the way they, you know, their body spoke, the way their expressions were and things. So that was what really was most fascinating to me. 
uh, about the art. And the the role of the janitor was one of those people that, you know, he just, he doesn't say a lot. He stares, he can tell that, you know, the, uh, the headmaster, you know, uses him more as a servant and, you know, he's just particularly odd. And I, I remember thinking before I even, you know, got on the plane to go up to the location, I got to do some little touch of something that really is creepy about him. And, um, you know, I came up with the idea of kind of having the dead eye, you know, the, I had correct these lenses to make your eyes look like you're blind. And so I used one of those in there so that there was this just, you know, there's just one eye that really can see and look at you. And there was something kind of, you know, unusual about that. And then the fact that the jumpsuit I was in, you know, was very, very tight fitted, you know, for the choice that Trevor wanted for, I don't know what reason, but somehow he liked that idea that it wasn't, you know, it was kind of, you know, form fitting. I tried to just, you know, make my body look a little more down and out and humped, humped over from pushing, you know, a, a cart and pushing brooms and stuff. So, it, you know, a lot of it just, you know, kind of came out of the physicality, you know, of the character and the, the, the fact that the job that he had was, you know, in, in essence, a, a cleanup guy, including cleaning up bodies. So it, you know, that all those elements together kind of just made, made him this, you know, very much a different person than anybody else on that set. One of uh, one of the biggest questions I've had is, I mean, you know, I, I know that you said uh, you were under, you know, a lot of probably pressure and stress when, um, you know, uh, taking the reins on, on a Friday the 13th film. But I mean, as for me, it's uh, three and six have always been um, uh, my, my favorite six in particular, mainly because it's self-aware. It's funny. I was just curious of, you know, experimenting something with that, because obviously it's not set up um, like the previous films where it's just, you know, Jason going around. There's a lot of humor, a lot of dark comedy, a lot of breaking, you know, the wall and, you know, looking at the audience and kind of joking around how much like or maybe anything just in particular that sticks out that you maybe tried or thought about but you didn't execute in the final script or the film because maybe you thought it was too much. Cause it feels like you did experiment with certain things in this film. Some stuff stuck, some stuff probably didn't. I didn't know if you could speak on behalf of that or not. Sure. Um, well, first off, um, you know, the stress or pressure was really minimum on this, mainly because the executive producer, Frank Mancuso Jr., really handed me the reins and said, you know, make the movie that you want to make. So I, I wrote a treatment first um, and turned that in. And basically everything was great, except he didn't want the ending that I had, which was we meet Jason's father. Uh, and I just thought it would be a, just kind of a cool twist to put that on. But because of the previous movie, uh, part five, where the audience finds out at the end of the movie that it wasn't Jason, that it was this ambulance driver, and they were so livid about that, Frank was basically saying, look, we don't want this one to end with any chance of anybody <laughs> feeling like, oh, from now on, it's going to be Jason's dad. So it's like, you know, Jason is back. You brought him back. He's unstoppable. You know, we want the audience to know that. And I said, well, I'd, I'd love to get him, you know, back down in that lake where it started. So I could just, you know, use that kind of ghost tale, um, you know, go back 
there's so many films about you know how to you know get the dead to rest in peace um and probably most you know well known to the modern audiences with poltergeists you know where they moved the headstones but they didn't move the bodies so you've got a whole bunch of you know restless spirits down there um so you know it's it's that thing of trying to you know create a mythology you know with this and tried to tell a little more story than than normal in that um you know it starts with Tommy and he's got an agenda and I sort of just kind of jump past the part five other than he was in a institution for a number of years and just get right into, you know, he's got to see his body. He's got to know he's really down there, that he's not wandering around someplace and they buried some false person down there. And of course, in the act of doing that, you know, he loses it. And then he causes Jason who is perfectly happy to be dead and not (laughs) killing and having the miserable life as an ugly man. Um, so now he's Jason's got an agenda. Get this guy, you know. And so anybody that gets in his path, you know, obviously dies. So it's not quite as random that he just shows up places and kills people. That he's literally heading towards something. And you know, we do have the confrontation at the end. So it, it has a little more of a structure. I wouldn't say it's anything you know major story wise, but it just had you know a little more of each each of the key characters had a reason for what they were doing and where they were going with it. The humor was something that I, when I brought that up, Frank sort of, you know, looked at me like, uh, you're not going to make fun of him. And I go, no, no, no. Jason stays the monster. In fact, he'll be more of a monster than ever before. But I just want the characters to, you know, be fun and have a sense of humor. And I, I think doing part six, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, how much longer can this thing go? We've got to, you know, do something that's sort of, you know, uh, you know, fun and break the fourth wall and kind of, you know, jokingly put the audience down about having a strange idea of entertainment, you know, and who would know that, you know, we're heading towards part 13 now. I mean, that it, you know, doubled, you know, where it had been at that point when we all thought it was going to, you know, going to be going away sometime soon. But I just didn't know in terms of the fans, you know, how they were going to take to it. So, and that was, you know, continuous joy now that uh, they're still really liking it in terms of something that I wrote in the treatment, but didn't do because I had, uh, you know, I, I, I sobered up, I guess you could say was um, when Jason, you know, kills the paintballers and initially in the script, they were hunters. And so there was sort of this thing about, you know, getting people that, you know, enjoy killing animals and Jason, you know, tears off the arm of this one guy and he gets the machete, but he also, you know, has like a utility built with all these weapons. And he also had strapped on him an Uzi. So <laughs> the next time he saw Jason, he was marching to the woods with a fucking Uzi you know, strapped across him. So, you know, a little nod to Rambo, you know, as it was, I had, I had uh, CJ kind of doing a slight Terminator thing in the way he moved and things because of the electricity. I thought, you know, he should, he should move like he's just like a, you know, electric power there. So, the motorhome sequence then actually was when Jason came into that thing and he busted out, in, you know, in front of Nikki, he just opened fire on her <laughs> and, you know, like, you know, the scene in the Godfather, you know, when Sonny gets shot up, it was going to be just a bloodbath <laughs> and the same thing to the driver. And so ultimately the, you know, the motorhome crashes because they've been riddled with bullets. But I started 
thinking that you know, sooner as I did it that, you know, this is not right. It's like, you know, it's too easy. Anybody can get a weapon. Anybody can push, pull a trigger. It's not what I was trying to, I hate to say pride myself on, but I wanted all Jason's kills to be, you know, superhuman. You know, you can't turn the head all the way around and yank it off or decapitate three people you know, perfectly or punch out a heart. All that was a result of Jason being, you know, endowed with more strength than he's ever had before. So I, I thought, you know, that, that that's got to go. I, I, it just doesn't work. And kind of what came out of it was, I thought, particularly cool pushing Dickie's head, you know, through that thing and it bends accordingly. And then, you know, uh, getting a bit of a, of a dark joke on court saying, hey, Nikki, listen to this. And the second he says, listen to this, you know, the, the knife goes into his ear. And then, you know, obviously the, the topper is just crashing the motor, motor home. And then that iconic image of Jason standing on top of it, like he's just slayed a dinosaur. And, you know, I've always been, you know, very happy that that came out the way I envisioned it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great image of, you know, monster, you know, standing there as the conqueror. So that, yeah, that's really the main thing, the father and, you know, that particular sequence that, that changed from what was in the treatment. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm torn because I really wanted to see, I really want to see Jason with the Newsy. But yeah, I agree that the, the pushing <laughs> of the face with Nikki and stabbing Court in the head um, was just more Jason-esque, yeah. um, even though yeah. I really want to see him pull the trigger. Um, <laughs> and just one, one other question is, uh, you know, I've always been a big Alice Cooper fan. How, how did that all come about, really, getting him to do uh, a, a, you know, a Friday the 13th song? Uh, well, that was, again, kind of a bit of luck. Um, I think Alice's you know, career was kind of slowing down around that time, as obviously as it was Jason's because of, you know, he was supposedly dead and after part four and, and the way they resurrected him wasn't really him. So there was a chance to sort of redeem ourselves. And uh, I don't know if Paramount approached Alice or, or his record company said, you know, Alice would love to do, you know, the music. And we had already actually tempted some of the songs with Alice songs, because I was a fan and I want, you know, I, I knew him when he was Vincent in a group called the Naz and we played on the same bill together here in Los Angeles at some of the clubs, you know, but uh, it, you know, it was before. And I don't know if this is true or not. I'd heard Frank Zappa was the one who came up with the name of changing the, the Naz to Alice Cooper, you know, which was the name of the whole group. And then eventually Vincent took on the, the name legally just for himself but it, it just, you know, it, it was the right vibe. It was the right feeling, you know, the kind of stuff that he sings about and, and performs. So, it, you know, it was one day Frank walking in saying, you know, what do you think about this? We got Alice. And it was like, you know, happy days. So he, yeah, he, you know, wrote that song, which to me is, you know, one of the cooler aspects of the movie to go out on that, you know, Jason, you know, the man behind the mask is back. And, you know, and, and that album also had a lot of other great songs on it, you know, two of which we, we used, you know, Hard Rock Summer and Teenage Frankenstein. And, you know, it was the beginning of, you know, that was coming back, too. Um, and uh, he's not stopped since. I mean, he's still, you know, as big, if not bigger than he ever was. 
Yeah, he just he just played near me and I missed it, and I'm uh, very upset about that. Um, one of these one of these days, I got to yeah. make it to see him again. I, I I can't. When I saw a billboard, I was like, man, I can't believe Alice Cooper is still is still going, and that's a uh, that makes me happy. Yeah, it is. It's great. Back to Rocksteady Row. You uh, you're a fan of comedians, and you got to work with Larry Miller in uh, in this film because he plays uh-huh. the dean. Uh, how was it working with him on this uh, on this movie? Yeah, oh, he he's you know as the the saying goes, one of the sweetest men you'll ever meet. I mean, and just you know naturally funny. He just you know he's just got that ability to say a line, and the way he says it is just hysterical. And you know he's just you know so easy and and um, nice of a you know nice person to work with. And always respect, you know, as, as actors know, there's nothing more important than having the other actor, you know, be supportive of your role and they're not just about themselves. And, you know, he, he is that kind of guy. And I was and still am a huge fan of, of his work. But up to that point, you know, all the things that I had seen and I went, oh, my God, this this is going to be great. <laughs> so I was really, uh, really thrilled to be able to work with him. Yeah, he he fits roles like the dean very nicely. Uh, it's just fantastic. It's it's funny to hear him, you know, because I've always heard he's a nice guy, but he plays such a prick <laughs> in a lot of uh, yeah. his roles, and he does it so well. And um, you know, maybe it's that time he just unleashes because he doesn't do it in real life. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, he's he's yeah. great in pretty much everything he's in. Well, and, uh, and Trevor was smart enough as a director to allow him to just improvise some stuff, you know, nice. just let the camera roll and he'd come up with stuff. So it, you know, he had a wonderful you know, a treasure chest of great lines and little things that, that, that Larry had added, you know, into the, into the dialogue, which, you know, is making it his own, which is so important uh, that for a character really, you know, the actor to own that character. Have you gotten the itch to direct again? Is there anything that, uh, that you're working on currently? What's, uh, what's, what's coming up after this? Cause I know, uh, Rocksteady Row is going to be playing at the, uh, the unnamed film festival. I had it, I had it right here. Let me see if I have the information, uh, the exact dates here. Um, I know it's going to be playing at the Arclight okay. uh, in oh, okay. October here in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's for a festival or, or just that they're having a, you know, that's screening here in town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's, the, it's the Philadelphia Unnamed Film Festival, Saturday, September 8th. That's coming up uh, within the next couple of weeks here. Oh, so cool. if you're in the Philly area, head over to unnamedfilmfestival.com. But um, so so it's getting, a, it's getting get released at the Arclight. Is there... Do you know? Do you have any information on any more theatrical releases for the for this film? Because it looks like it's kind of going the indie, the more independent route, where it's going to kind of it's been playing festivals, and and I'm hoping that it gets to more theaters as it kind of starts building some momentum. It's a new company, I believe, that is doing you know that that made the film, um, and so I think they're just kind of continuing the, the, to try to build word of mouth and things with it. Um, it's a uh, gunpowder sky, right? When, sorry. It's gunpowder sky is the guys that are behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would think, you know, the slam dance thing of winning mm-hmm. that and winning the director and things would have really, you know, kind of kicked it into the next, you know, big year. But uh, I talked to Trevor, I guess, few weeks ago and he said no they're still looking for you know the best 
sale in terms of what to do with it. And in the meantime, they're just playing it at all these festivals and things, which you know is smart because you know you if you just rush out and sell it to the first buyer, you know it could just be you know a couple of theaters and then right to streaming and overdone. Yeah, it's the hardest thing in the industry now. Um, you know, I mean, on one hand, there's so many more opportunities for directors than there was in you know my day, which wasn't that long ago. Um, <laughs> and as I go back into it, you know, I, I keep looking at okay, you know, I used to be the young kid that you know people would say, you know, it's like, oh, what do you know, you know? And now I'm looking at these guys going, you know. I don't care what you know or what you think, you know, show me something, you know, just do it, you know, because that was, you know, that by some of my peers are, are frustrated by how the, they'll hire people out of film school before they'll hire and somebody has been doing it for 40 years. But mm. I said, you know, guys, we were those guys, you know, and every gen, every year there's going to be another bus that pulls up with a whole bunch more and you just kind of embrace it. And if you care about cinema and you care about movies, it's like, let's make some more good ones. And then, you know, we've got to like prove to, to the world again, that we can still do it. And to me, that's a, you know, it's a new challenge, you know, either you're completely unknown and you've got to prove yourself or you're known. And I mean, I've done 42 movies like at this, at this point, feature films, um, most of them in cable and television, but you know, the, I guess I've had five or six seven features mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's no different. I mean, that you do all these things and, and still it's like, what have you done lately? You know, what's the <laughs> thing you're doing, you know, that, that, you know, we're going to want to have to see. So I'm writing, you know, I've got one project that I can't talk about because mm -hmm. I, I don't really have the rights to do it, but I'm do I'm plowing ahead with it anyway. And then a couple of other horror things that are very unique and, you know, haven't been done. And that's, you know, that's usually the hardest because people would rather have something that's already a franchise or already known, as you guys know, it's, mm -hmm. you know, the Marvel, you know, movies and things is that it's like, let's just, let's just start making up Marvel characters and putting the Marvel in front and people will come and they'll, you know, they'll keep doing that for streaming. They'll do it for TV. They'll do it obviously for features. You know, it's a huge cash cow that nobody wants to see go away, but I know I'm always applauding the guys that have a dollar ninety eight and they make something, you know, that's really cool. And that's the thing I sort of push the students towards too. You're not gonna have, you know, the wherewithal, you know, gonna hand you a pen and a piece of paper. Let's see if you can be an artist. Do you think that uh that Rocksteady Row will open up a whole new uh, career of being a, a character actor <laughs> in your students' films? Well, you know, I I would mind at all doing that. And, I, you know, it's it's something that would be probably kind of, you know, hit and miss, you know, depending. Um, <laughs> I mean, I love being a performer. I've got actually a new act that I'm doing that, that uh, you know, you'll, you'll hear about probably in the next month or so because I just finished the uh, promotional reel for it. But in the meantime, I mean, I'm, I'm doing a film in Austin, Texas, where I'm playing the very strange uh, molester type character mm. who ends up being this boy's monster. And so they did a head cast of me and it's like a part of this incredible special effect creature of which, you know, my head, you know, is audio animatronic. Um, so I play the character, you know, both in the reality and then in the fantasy. 
of it. So, you know, that I'm, I'm very excited about too, because this is literally getting to be a monster, you know, <laughs> and it's not me. It's me standing back, you know, watching this thing move going, you know, do I really look that ugly? <laughs> so, but you know, <laughs> can't lie when it casts your face, that's you. <laughs> but yeah, so there are some things happening like that, that are, you know, that just keep things interesting. And yeah. the band, of course, you know, getting out there rock and rolling, um, you know, uh, is, is just a real godsend to be able to get all my energy and frustrations and everything out on stage. Oh yeah, definitely. So that's, uh, that's been great. Have you guys been playing around LA, uh, just in the LA area or have you been, uh, been kind of, yeah, I mean, we, we get out the South by Southwest every okay. year. We've been doing that for about four years now. And then, uh, yeah, we play Northern California quite a bit, a lot, obviously, Southern California, San Diego. Um, and then we'll, you know, we've gone to, I guess we've got as far as New Orleans. Uh, haven't got beyond that, though. We really want to get out to the East Coast mm-hmm. and definitely want to get to Florida. You know, I haven't been to Florida since I was in Charles Act as her robot back in the 70s <laughs> when you know i played miami so I, and you know I, I love florida it's great i love new york i mean all these places that you know great to be doing rock and roll that's awesome i'll, I'll have to uh I'll, I'll have to definitely keep an eye on when you're playing next and uh try to try to make it uh try to make it out there definitely uh if, if you're in the southern california area for sure well, uh, Tom, thank you so much for spending some time with us and, and talking to us about Rocksteady Row and, and your career and, and Jason Voorhees. We really appreciate the, the time and, and uh, we're definitely, you know, uh, wish you all the best with everything else you're doing. And, and yeah, definitely I uh, hope to see you at a rock and roll show for sure. Thank you so much. And again, I, my, my one takeaway with all these things is, guys, if you're listening and you have a dream, don't give it up. I mean, this rock and roll thing was something I wanted to do 50 years ago, and it finally happened just by just not letting go of the dream, doing all this other stuff. But this in particular is is a very bizarre thing to be doing when you're in your mid-60s, and people are going, you know, you're acting like you're a teenager. And I go, because I still feel like one. Yeah. It doesn't, that, that doesn't change. So, you know, whatever you want to do, writing, you know, directing, you know, painting, you know, any, anything in the arts or any dream that you have, you know, you may have to do a lot of other jobs and have a lot of different careers because things change so rapidly, but keep holding on those dreams because it is possible to, to get there eventually. And it is, it's a wonderful feeling to go, God, I've wanted this for a long time and it finally happens. So, um, yeah, believe in yourself. slammed her door, fell on her bed. It was the way they said it, not what was said. Neither knew who or what their daughter really was. Katie texted Annie in need of a buzz. By 7.35, she was shotgunning Annie's truck, doing donuts in the dirt, neither giving a fuck. Annie lost control, spun the Ford into the creek. They laughed, Katie broke down and started to freak. Annie tossed her the vial, said, girl, let's fly out of here. They snorted every speck, made love, and the pain disappeared. And it's one way out. One way out. One way out. 
Well, let's jump in to uh, some movies, our feature sections of the Screamcast. Um, let's jump into some VHS. Oh, my God. Nikki. Well, here we are at last. Right where we ought to be. Oh my god! Uh, we are talking about 1986's The Ladies Club. It could happen to any woman. Anywhere. Anytime. <coughs> but it happened to them. Something's got to be done. They watch the law in action. My God, they look like angels. Only 2% of these guys ever get convicted. And they've seen the guilty go free. They feel that justice has been served, and that's all that's important to us. They joined with a common cause. They're taking justice into their own hands. And hitting them where it hurts. The Ladies' Club. I think I need to sit down for a minute. It's not just coffee and cake anymore brad you had this on your list i tweeted out that i was watching it uh bj colangelo said this is one of her favorite films it's a really good rape and revenge movie brad i'm going to turn this over to you to set up the plot um obviously it's it's a rape revenge film called the ladies club but there's a little more to it and uh brad i'm going to turn it over to you to give us the plot synopsis um so a what makes this above just a standard rape revenge film well there's a lot of things that i love about the ladies club and first and foremost it's not as brutal and gruesome as you may think it might be on kind of the rape side it's the revenge side that almost is comical because it's so badass like you're laughing because of once it starts. So basically, it's this policewoman who um, is uh, has home intruders one night, and she is violently attacked. I mean, I guess that scene is a, a little heavy. Um, so they have she's violently attacked, and then she basically goes to court, and these guys act like you know the best dudes in the world, and there's no charges, and uh, you know this movie is perfect because of the world we live in today with this me too movement it's still relevant like i mean as soon as a woman says oh i'm raped then of course dudes have to say well prove it well what the fuck you know so i mean that's kind of how this movie is set up in that sense and um you know these women are victims so take matters in their own hands they form the ladies club which um, will get um, <laughs> information for previous uh, cases of people um, that gotten off without any punishment, and they kidnap them, drug them, and they remove their fucking testicles. <laughs> so and awesome. what, a great, they, the, what a great they, setup. It's just they, they set them back in the wild <laughs> after they're done. <laughs> and, and like you're sitting there and you're watching it. And and they say this and it's like, wait a second, are you for real? Like, this is so awesome. And I mean, it still holds up in that sense. And um, I think the poster 
is really great because I think it says when the ladies get together, the men come apart. Um, <laughs> and it's there's just a few a, great, there's a few fantastic posters yeah, to this. The VHS box is great. And the theatrical yeah. poster is fantastic. I have yeah. the VHS somewhere in here, but um, yeah. It, but anyways, it's just, it's, it's a great setup and it's definitely a different spin kind of on the rape revenge movies. And I like, this idea of um of of to the point where it's like they're they're you know kidnapping them yeah snipping them and then putting them back in the wild like they're a fucking animal which they are it starts out as kind of like a support group you know what i mean and right uh, it turns out one of them is it happens to be a surgeon or a doctor or something like that so and, I, yeah. and they kind of mention it as kind of like, well, we should just do this like out of anger. And then one of the women is like, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> Another film there. directed. No. Okay. So here we go. Since we talked, I gave some shit about revenge. <laughs> this is also directed, directed by, by a, a woman. woman. But this is gro- and, like, this is grounded. You know what I mean? Right. But it's not that it's grounded in reality. That's the, I mean, rev- that's not the reason why I dislike. God, revenge. I wish it was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that that's not the reason why I dislike revenge. I don't like revenge based on storytelling because I feel it doesn't do anything new. It just kind mm. of feeds to that male gaze rape revenge movie. This, however, does something new, and it's the f- from the fucking eighties. And there's nothing else like this still today, even though like so so many people could have copied this movie. And like it's so fucking good because it takes a different step in the direction of your normal rape and revenge movies like rear rape revenge movies. You know, the incident happens. The violent incident happens. The woman tries to recover. Then she gears up in a commando scene and gets ready and goes after him. And then they die. This, they're setting them free out in the fucking wild. But now they're no longer a man. Like, or what makes a man? Their testicles? I don't fucking know. But I like to think. Well, the testosterone no is, way. Housed, uh, is housed in the, in the testicles. But any, anyways, so. he, they're not able to be who they were. And they have to live with that. And that's a lot more, like, impactful yeah. And just slitting somebody's throat. You know, I, I um, agree. Stephanie, so, so ladies club is perfect. I want to hear Stephanie yeah. talk about it for the next <laughs> Stephanie, hour. What, <laughs> what did you think about this? Uh, I mean, I would, I mean, I've always said, I would love I said the punishment, Stephanie, not you, the punishment <laughs> of, Let Stephanie of talk. castrations. <laughs> it, it, it should be a standard punishment. That's all I'm going to say. Stephanie, what do you think about the ladies club? I loved it. And I agree. Like, you abuse it, you lose it. Fuck yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> to quote one of the, the poster taglines, <laughs> men who attack women have two big problems. The ladies club is about to remove them both. Mm, yeah, that's a good one, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going in, I was... Based on the title, it's a pretty benign title. I was thinking about uh, this James Patterson series called The Women's Murder Club. And the guy's a total hack. And even if you've never read him, you've seen his name like all over 
the grocery store book sections because those are the only books they sell anymore. But the first one is really good called First to Die. And basically is one woman who is a medical examiner and one was a cop. And they're like, oh, we're not getting results on these murders. Let's like make our own club and we can figure these murders out. And now I know all he did was ripped off the ladies club. <laughs> but <laughs> I loved it. No, it was great. It like at first I was a little worried it'd be exploitative because that opening rape scene. Yeah. Um, I will warn people if that's hard for you to see, it's brutal. It, it's a hard watch. Um, and the aftermath is actually covered. It's covered. They, they show what it does to you when you're yeah. in the hospital afterwards. Um, and that actually heartened me. Like I was tearing up as I watched it, but I'm like, okay, they're taking this seriously. And it, I loved it because it it was so beautifully balanced because mm. on one hand you did get like, yeah, cut their balls off. You fucking <laughs> rapist. You're going to burn in hell, but you're going to suffer before you do it. And oh, it delivers. But on the other hand, it's like these intelligent women who have been terrorized. And even when they get together, they're not like, yeah, we hate men, burn all men. You know, they're like, well, we're literally in the courtroom like being spit on, you know, like none of us are getting justice. None of us are getting traction. Mm -hmm. We have to do something. And it is a little heightened because almost every man in this movie is a rapist. Not every <laughs> single one, but most of them. Not Bruce Davidson. Yeah, no, he's he's good. Uh, aren't, but aren't all the women also like? Aren't they prof Like they're all professionals in their own field. Like they're all these are all intelligent no, women. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. These, these are, you know, they're wearing their shoulder pads at the meeting <laughs> when they all gather together. Um, yeah, like, you know, they're not like uh, wearing little outfits being like, oh, we're going to get these men. Right. Like, it, you know, even though the premise is kind of like, yeah, men start getting castrated. Uh, it's about as realistic as you can do that premise. Mm -hmm. I, I really admired it. I enjoyed watching it. It was very well made. Very well acted, but I, I, you know, you also get that satisfaction. No, <laughs> and I was like, really impressed they were able to deliver that without yeah. being exploitative or, uh, I don't know. It, it never talked down to you. It remained fun. It, it, yeah, it juggled a lot of, of <laughs> juggled a lot of balls, sliced them all <laughs> up, but it did it beautifully. Yeah, it was great. A lot of, a lot of balls in the air. Yeah, delicately. No, that's and that's what I feel too. Like this, um, you really do get wrapped up in the drama of, and I don't mean that kind of sending the drama. Like you, you get wrapped up in the situation that these women, especially our 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 lead character, the policewoman, um, goes through. You get that kind of PTSD. You get her staying in the hospital. It's um, it's so well done. It was almost so well done that I was like, I don't know if I'm in the mood for this right now. <laughs> you know, when I put it on, I was like, man, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready, you know, because it, it, uh, they handle, it does handle the, the, those aspects very re realistically. And even, and even, you know, from, from being, from my perspective as being, you know, man or whatever, but seeing, but seeing these women come together and as this kind of support group and, I, I really do feel it handles all these relationships realistically and it respects the relationships. It respects these, the movie respects these women 
um, and really does show that, yeah, like I said, these are all intelligent, professional women, and they have this opportunity to basically um, write what they believe they've been wronged, and they have been wronged by the court system, and they're going to take matters in their own hands as these kind of uh, ball-ripping vigilantes. Um, We talked about Bruce Davison, right? Yeah. Um, Well, just... just for a second. Yeah, but it was fun to see him because I, you know, of course, I remember him mostly from the from X-Men. <laughs> you know oh, I mean? God. But it was fun to see him um, and James, uh, James Avery is in it. The dad from um, Fresh Prince. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's shit. in it. And then also um, he doesn't have a name, but he's one of the police officers. But Larry Drake is also yeah. in in the movie. Yeah, no, so, this, is a, um, this is a fantastic film. What I was going to say, when was it. Patterson uh, wrote that book, Steph? Um, I can look it up, but I feel like it's probably the early 2000s. Oh, wow. Well, there's, an, there's another film um, that I wanted to talk about. I should have mentioned this before. Um, kind of contrast and compare. Um, there's a 12-year, I believe like a 12 or 13-year difference between the films that were a film in the 70s kind of did a similar plot in a way, um, which that could have ignited the idea for Ladies Club because this was directed by dudes. Um, Kind of the same thing where a woman is uh, raped and then she finds other women that have been raped and they form a vengeance squad. Um, The movie's called Act of Vengeance, but that didn't do too well, so then they retitled it Rape Squad, which is (laughs) really... Oh, I've heard of this one. Yeah. Not the best title, I would say, as Rape Squad, but so I like Vengeance um, Squad. <laughs> vengeance Squad. It's so better um, than Rape Squad. The Revengeance. Act of Vengeance is good. <laughs> it's it's a it's 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 a good exploitation flick. Um, it is heavy, very very heavy in a sense. I mean, we're in the seventies now, so I mean, it's kind of anything goes. Um, there, you know, the guy that wears the mask and. Um, like he whistles jingle bells when he's doing shit. It's super, it's super creepy. Um, but anyways, it's a, it's a good, like kicking the nuts fight back movie as far as like women empowerment, but also doesn't have what the ladies club has because I believe truly believe this between the fee, the female and the male director. Um, because like Steph said, other than maybe the first sequence with the cop and the three guys, it's a little it's heavy because I think it wants to trap you and, and pull you into the film. Um, Act of Vengeance is just brutal in that sense. And um, Ladies Club tends to kind of hit heavy in the beginning and then mm-hmm. focus solely on the women rather than, you know, in Act of Vengeance where the guy, you know, violently attacks somebody and then the woman comes back and then we violently attack somebody else and then the women come in and it's just like on and off on and off you don't have to show that each time that you know that's the good cool thing about the ladies club is that even they have a montage of of, <laughs> of the ball snipping where they're just fucking you know kidnapping dudes and then bringing them in with their procedure and, and setting them free um so kind of a film that shares a similar plot 
but um, is different enough in the sense where it's not the same movie. Yeah. I, I love and that I it's also, surgically castrated too. It's like they bring it like there's like a, like a oh specialist yeah, it's, that's going to surgically so they don't die. I think that's yeah, they'll bleed yeah. out otherwise. <laughs> yeah. So um, maybe watch both of the films and kind of contrast and compare and see kind of um, how I'm like even talking about. I'm glad we talked about revenge actually, because I, mm-hmm. I do feel like an asshole yeah. saying what I said, but in the sense of, you know, <laughs> I don't see a difference between revenge and I spit on your grave. I see a difference between act of vengeance and the ladies club. Yeah. No, yeah, totally. this is not like, well, I love miss 45, but it, oh, it's man. not miss like 45 that. Is good of, too. Yeah. It's not that kind of brutality or revenge film. And it's not, I spit on your grave or anything like that. This isn't going to sound like a compliment, but I actually mean it as a compliment. It sometimes feels like a TV movie. Mm. Oh, Ladies Club totally feels like a TV movie. Yeah, but that but just means that you're kind of it's just... you're getting more involved with the characters, and that's the thing. Like where TV movies, I feel like they kind of because of the budget, they have to you have to care about the characters, and they have to kind of focus more on the character interaction and conversations than they do showing any bigger budget things. You know what I mean? So, but you know, but you really do get to care about the the women in this film. You know, and then, and I think, yeah, that's definitely a compliment because if we didn't care about these women, we wouldn't care about where things go from there. But uh, you really do. I I, would, Sean. Well, okay. But but I I really do feel like I got (laughs) to know I got to know these (laughs) women. Asshole stick in this film. What? (laughs) You get to know the stick. We passed it off, and you were holding it, it, Sean. Yeah, I was the (laughs) asshole, but I redeemed myself because I got to explain myself a little bit better. Comparing and contrasting, you know, Act of Vengeance and Ladies Club. <laughs> I'm so, trying to give this film you. a compliment. Am I doing it wrong? I'm saying you you get invested with the women in this film, and you really do care about, you know, the 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 ball snipping that is is going to happen. But I think they do uh, they do a very very good job of balancing a little yeah. bit of backstories because we learn a few things even. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> Nicholas Worth's character. I think it's the same character in Don't Answer the Phone when he plays <laughs> yes. uh, Kirk Smith. Yes. So because it's that same dude, and man, that is such a hard oh, fucking man. scene to watch. Um, because I, you know, it reminds me like it's just as bad. And I just rewatched this too. I rewatched Split, which I really, really fucking love. Split up on the rewatch. I didn't like mm-hmm. it when I saw it at Fantastic Fest. But the sequence when she's little. And they're hunting, and her uncle like is behind a rock. Dude, that shit is so yeah. fucking cringe. Where that that hurts, and that's kind of like how a scene in the ladies' club is. It it does get a little um, rough, but at the same time, it's still you know not going overboard because I, I like how the ladies' club doesn't do that again. You know, we don't have to show that again. We know enough to know that these people are. Um, these men are, um, you know, awful. They weren't men before, and they're not men now. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like the film this this film is definitely ahead of its time. If you haven't seen this, track it down. I'm wondering if like th- this, I, I'm why hasn't any distributor, you know, really grabbed this film and re- given it a new life? Because there's millions of films like this, Sean. Well, no, no, but yeah, but not really. Like, I think I feel like this is, this is the best portrayal that I think I've seen, like a rape revenge film. Like, this is the like one of the 
the best ones I've seen where you really do get involved with the story and and, and I don't know like I feel like this was just handled differently and I really would love to see more people you know um, check it out because I because um, I, re- I really really did love it. Uh, you 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 keep talking. I'll look for my tape and I'll tell you who owns it. <laughs> Well, yeah, it says, it says you're media a home entertainment connections. Uh, Here on communications. Give me a birthday present. Uh, <laughs> New Line right? Cinema distributed the theatrical. Huh. Um. So. Well, that's back when they were little. Yeah. Yeah. That so I don't know who bought up New much. Line Cinema because they're not really doing too much these days. <gasps> oh my god! It's at the but very yes, fucking bottom. I can't get it. Okay, don't worry about it. But uh. You know, because there's all these distributors listening to the Screamcast. Like, we, this is us saying, "Hey, you guys should release this," because I think you'll, 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 you know, it's all about money. You'll make some money on it, and uh, you know, and uh, but I really think this is a film that people should seek out. And it, look, hey, if BJ Colangelo says this is one of her favorite films, that's like an automatic move to your watch list. Speaking of, while I'm talking about BJ, um, she has brought back Day of the Woman. As a Patreon, and um, please, like, I don't know why um, it hasn't taken off, but she's been trying to get people to subscribe to Patreon. Well, it's new. Well, so let's spread the word. Everyone, go check out BJ's um, Patreon. I'm trying to find it right now, so I can. It was such an influential, amazing blog. Yeah, like such an amazing resource. I'm finding it right now. Uh, Day of the Woman. Uh, patreon.com slash day of the woman. Um, it's five dollars a month, and for for starters, you can you can donate a dollar, but you're not gonna get the full benefit of being a Patreon member. Five dollars a month. Her writing on on these films and her perspective is so worth five dollars a month. So I'm gonna put the link in the show notes, and please, all of you, who gives a shit about Club Scum and us and whatever Screamcast. <laughs> Seriously, she's doing so much more and and her writing, her perspective is so much better than anything we can offer. Um, yeah, I'm going to reveal a deep, dark secret right on this recording. Okay. Writers don't get paid a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> no, they so don't. This stuff helps a lot. And I think this is great. And I, and I, I think like, yeah, anybody can start up a blog and she had the blog going for a while, but I think with her writing and her um the perspective of everything from a, f- a feminine view of horror and 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 the way that she deconstructs some of these movies and the way that she writes it's it's so worth it so five dollars a month please become uh, a patreon member for for day of the woman you will not regret it. you'll have a lot of great insight to um to some really just amazing writing and she's already uh put up today the 20th yeah she put up an article about asia argento and the things that have come to light uh about asia argento so uh and the me too movement so i mean that's worth my five my five dollars right there just seeing her perspective on that so please go to patreon.com slash day of the woman and give bj some love all right moving on everybody okay um do we have anything else to say about the ladies club i really um i'll put a link to the it's it's on youtube you can find it there i'll put a link to to the one um steph did you watch the one with the spanish subtitles or was there is there a better one 
That's the one I found. Okay. All right. See, Brad didn't I mean, have a $500 VHS on eBay of it, so yeah. that's what I was stuck with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not going <laughs> to sell it either. No. Not at all, man. This thing, that that's a keeper. Um, hopefully, someday, somebody uh, releases this on Blu-ray. And, uh, but it's, I think right now, it's all about rights. And uh, someone needs to find that. But this seems like something right out, right up like Vinegar Syndrome's Alley or something like that. I really think that. Um, well, I can tell you right now that this is not to the point where it's unavailable because it looks like most of media stuff went to. Looks like it's all up for grabs, really. So okay. it, I don't, I don't think they've, because I can't see anybody buying it because media released 457 movies on their label last one was um in 92 so Mm. a lot of this stuff that's on here has been released so it doesn't look like it would be too hard yet i mean i can i'll definitely look into it we could start screencast pictures start out the lace club believe me brad and i have talked about it but i have no idea how to even start something like that and <laughs> we, I would probably we did, we fuck did it talk up. about it so that's, <laughs> and, uh, we were talking about bringing our Raiders of Atlantis to Blu-ray Brad remember yeah you can't I've already tried yeah because that's public domain someday I think Scream pa- Screamcast Pictures could be on the horizon everybody uh, if we get the right investors so uh, email us read me at thescreamcast.com uh, if you want to become an <laughs> investor partner into Screamcast Pictures We'll get it done. Look, if Dread Central can start releasing horror VHS. movies, I think we can do it. I think we're so I think we're I on the VHS level. Of... The... Well, we'd have to get bought out. But okay. <laughs> the tagline, the tagline for the ladies' club on the VHS is the rapists who attack these women are about to have their lives permanently altered. Oh fuck, that's true. Yeah. Gold after gold after gold. All right, uh, let's move on to. The next film we're going to talk about. Let's jump into some stream screams. Nate, wake up! There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Don't fucking scream at me! You scream, I'll break your neck. <laughs> Don't scream, miss. Don't scream. Oh. What's we got some that? Stephen King movies <laughs> up in here. With the wild main accents just talking like this. Oh uh, my god. And talk about the boy that's crossing the street and gonna get hit by a truck. Uh, that's the wrong movie. Um Graveyard Shift. Stephen King invites you to venture deep inside the caverns below the old Bachman Mill. You're not thinking about going down in there. We're a secret lies long forgotten by any living soul. Just ain't no job worth this. The workers suspected. You can't put me down there. You can't put anybody down there. I know things. The owner denies it. What did happen to the fellow that started this job? It didn't work out. And everyone fears it. This place is infested. That might be the understatement of the year. Broken? Because one by one, it will devour them all. We're like shrimp in an all-you-can-eat salad bar, and that thing ain't stopping till it's full. Must be some other way out of here. It's fucked! 
visit Greyhawk. This is the new horror from the mind of Stephen King. Graveyard Shift. Good benefits, early retirement. Was that Maine or the bank dick? <laughs> is that the Maine accent? No. Have you ever heard Stephen King talk? Stephen Hi, King I'm like Stephen King. Yeah. Hello, I'm Stephen King, and I talk with this weird, crazy New England accent. No, you're in the fields right now, dude. <laughs> well, there is a, so the graveyard ship, uh, graveyard ship from 1990, of course, based off the short story by Stephen King, uh, directed by Ralph S. Singleton. There is that char- the character of the boss played by Stephen Machk. 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 Much. He does have an interesting. He has accent, a very strange accent, and it reminds me of no. Here, I'll Pet Cemetery and the, and the neighbor. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, that's what I was gonna say. It's um. It's uh, what's it, what was his name from the monsters? Fred Gwynn. It's yeah. Fred Gwynn meets Christopher Walken. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, that, I don't. That's, I didn't. That's, that's I was like, is. man, this guy is just chewing it up. Like he is. It, yeah. I, I don't I know if he's going overboard. If bomb, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is that a real accent? If. if Please let us know. No. I live out here in <laughs> no. Southern California where they all talk like this. I'm just kidding. No, they don't. dude, he's a dad in Monster Squad. <laughs> yeah, that's not how he sounds. No, I know. Anyway, uh, I digress. Yeah, he's uh, from Philly, so. You better not go up on the pet cemetery now. Right. No, that's, it's that accent, man. But this guy, this, this guy, he takes it to 11 and he's this sweaty. Hard ass boss. Uh, so Graveyard Shift, starring David Andrews and uh, Kelly Wolf, Stephen Mutched, Brad Dourif's in it. Brad Holy Dorf? shit! Jesus, Hell talk yeah. about chewing some scenery. Brad Dourif as the Exterminator is one of my new favorite uh, characters of all time. I adore. Yeah, you hardly notice that the Wishmaster is also in this movie. <laughs> yeah, Andrew Divoff, baby. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen this film in a long time. Ever. I remember buying it. <laughs> I bought it on uh, no, I bought it on DVD a long time ago uh, at Walmart because Walmart had this big old Halloween section um, back when you know stores used to sell like a shit ton of DVDs and everything. And they had all the Stephen King stuff on DVD, and I got uh, the grave- Graveyard Shift. And I remember I've, I've seen it, but I hadn't seen it in so long. I feel like I forgot a whole bunch of it, but I... Um, Dude, the, the cover used to fucking freak me out. It's, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't match the movie at no. all. No. And, like, because it had that minor helmet, and the, like, yeah. the skeleton I, blood. I do want to see the skeleton minor movie. Someone should make Someone that. Someone needs to do that. Uh, I had a so. lot of fun revisiting this. Um, I it it did the thing about Stephen King films is even if it's based on a short story, I really feel like they kind of for the most part, most of the ones that I've seen, they do get that vibe, and they all kind of have the same kind of vibe with the dialogue and the characters. Um, where even if it doesn't fully work, you still kind of get the Steve a Stephen King. Uh, kind of vibe from the film, and I had a lot of fun revisiting this this movie. 
the opening. They talk about the, Castle Rock. That's why. Yeah, they talk about Castle Rock. Uh, with the guy working for us, graveyard shift and this uh, whatever this mill or whatever they're doing and all the just the the rats everywhere. Oh and, and Stephanie, we talked about rats last on the last episode. Uh, do you think rats were in peril in graveyard shift as much as in, um, you know, the Paul Nashy film, or uh, what do you think? No, I. How, I'm how really... many rats died by diet Pepsi? Cans? No, I hope not. Any. <laughs> That was one thing like I I this is my first time seeing the movie, which is crazy because the first Stephen King book I ever read was the Night Shift collection of short stories. Mm. It's such a vivid memory. I I read it on a plane. I was a young teenager and that plane landed. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And so it it was great. I was I, I think I get a little trepidatious about certain adaptations of his work but this one i really enjoyed but i was a little worried at first because they showed this lineup of the rats and they were so cute they're just (laughs) wiggling their little noses at them and i was like come on this isn't gonna be scary but don't worry everybody those cute little rats get pretty freaky pretty quickly um i like to (laughs) i've never heard anything negative about it so i think by the time this came out and it being filmed in America. I'm telling myself 1990 standards kept those little guys alive. I hope. <laughs> yeah, it's not no Milo and Otis thing, huh? Oh, no. Oh, come on. Come on. You had to bring up Milo and Otis on this? You know, do you know the backstory behind Milo yes, and Otis? Yes, I know. The, I, 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 Fucking I, awful. I, <laughs> I put Milo and Otis on because my wife is like, oh, I watched this as a kid and I loved it. And we put it on with the kids. And halfway through, I was like, holy shit. But this that is wasn't not filmed in America, out. right? Um, I believe it was. But I think I they changed know. some laws once. Uh, once yeah, because a bunch of those fucking out. animals died. That's why. Yes, I know. It's awful. It's oh. like basically Milo 7 and Otis 8 because they all <laughs> fucking died. Oh, God. Oh man! Yeah. So this, this, so the rats. We could say we could probably say there was a rat wrangler involved in this. Um, even even the giant bat rat. You know, I would say yeah, that I bat rat was uh, was safe. Him, no, we call it a brat. Brat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me. Um, well, anyways, in 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 the book, it is a bat. It's it's not a rat bat. It really is a bat. Even though bats don't have it, that long rat tail. I know, I think that was... But in the book, there's multiple, I believe. Oh, uh, okay. There's multiple of them. Um, also, in the book, I think everybody dies. But, um, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Spoiler alert. Did every, didn't everybody die? Because Hall, like... I because they're not really enemies in the movie, or in the book. No, the... the, the... The, the it's not it's thing. just a short story right in the book and yeah, I, I yeah. feel like the prologue to the film was basically the short story am I right or was there more than that? I I've been forever since I read that short story Stephanie you're yeah, the literary uh, expert on expert no on this it's been podcast. a very long time I need okay. to revisit it but yeah of course like his short stories are great for movies Shawshank mm-hmm. that was a short story uh, Stand by Me that was a shorter one. Um, so yeah, it, it, like the mangler, uh, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> it, it's always interesting to see what people do with him. Cause Stephen King, he's, he's so popular. He's like pop tarts basically in America. 
But when you actually sit down and read his work, he's very distinct. No one yep. writes like even people who try. His characters. They can't the whole yeah, yeah, it's just he's so unique. And I, I do love seeing how filmmakers will tackle that. And I think Graveyard Shift was pretty damn successful. Mm-hmm. Well, I love the like the the they kind of build the world around this little town and it's this it's this mill. It's they take the cotton or whatever and they're you know they're processing it so that they can use it for yeah it's kind of like my like bloody that. valentine a little bit right right and of course they're infested with rats and they bring in brad Dorif to basically exterminate the rats and his idea is basically to flood the place and like suck all the rats through these tubes into the river <laughs> i'm like how does that even make sense set some traps put out some bait i don't understand his uh his He's, he has to be like the worst ex- exterminator ever because his methods are just ridiculous. And they hey, don't it's seem competitive to competitive in those yellow pages, okay? <laughs> he has to try. So they basically, it gets down to, they are like, all right, well, this isn't working. We need to clear. For some reason, we're going to keep this mill going, even though people keep dying. And I'm looking at this place. I'm like, they just need to burn this fucker down and just... Build a new mill because that'll cost just as much as the money they're spending on this extermination and revamping everything going on. Willow the said the exact same thing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it with her and she she loved it, but she was just like looking. She's like, "What is this place? Just start <laughs> over." Yes, it's management. It's terrible. Yeah, oh, the worst manager known to man. He's just awful. This uh. You know, womanizing, Trumpian type boss who's just uh, thinks he's the shit. Trumpian. I I don't know if I'd say that. He's he's a slime ball. Definitely slime ball. (laughs) Trumpian means slime ball in my world. Uh, Disgusting, sweaty, macho man slime slime ball. Though. One of the they both have very stupid accents. (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorite things about just it's a, it's a small little thing in this film, but when our main character is basically applying for a job and he comes in and he is being interviewed, waiting for his interview with the boss, uh, with the with with our with our uh, what's the boss's name Warwick, and he's waiting there in the office and he looks and the coffee's been on since like probably eight in the morning and it's probably like eleven o'clock or twelve o'clock by now and it's just you know like. When you leave a coffee pot on, it just gets like it turns into this thick sludge. So you have that going. And then there's also like a fly inside of it. And uh, and he's like, what, what was the, what's what's the, the quote that he says ab- about that coffee? Oh, man, it's fantastic. Dang fantastic. it. I, I, Why didn't you remember it? I, I had it and somebody quoted it back to me. It's something about like a. <laughs> Anyway, um, but that is the small little detail just about that coffee. Because you look at it and you're like, ooh, that'll, that'll clear out. He says something like, uh, you know, that'll clear you out or, or whatever, you know. Um, something like that, yeah. But, uh, but it, that's just a fantastic little detail that I, I, I really dug. Because there's no way. I mean, I've been, I've, I used to work for restaurants and everything. I've seen that old, disgusting sludge coffee. And, uh, you know, there's, a, there's just no way I would ever drink that. And you, you feel that in that scene. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going oh, I have this. to I have to give a quick shout out because there's a lot of you know flashy acting and set pieces in this but Kelly Wolf as the character Jane in this movie mm-hmm. she's like the 
there's like two women in the movie and she's the one who works with the guys and she's like, no, I'm going to go down there, man. It's double pay. Mm -hmm. And she's this like, she's beautiful, but really grounded. And you completely buy her that she would be in this really like arduous, disgusting job. Um, But I, I just loved her in this. I think she, she's my favorite character by far. And I really wish uh, Kelly Wolf would have done more projects because she's just so natural and captivating. Yeah, she's great. Brad, do you have anything, uh, anything to say about uh, the graveyard shift here? Or Kelly? No, I picked it. I loved it. I I picked the movie. Of course, you know, I like it. (laughs) I love when they're finally down there in the basement and they they decide that the way to, I guess, kill the rats is to, is to shoot them with a fire hose. And that's obviously going to yeah. get rid of them. I don't It's like all the extermination ideas just don't make any sense in the film and spring water everywhere just does not seem to be conducive to getting rid of rats. But the one guy, I don't I, he, he's like the kind of the bigger sleazy type guy that always picks on uh, our, our main character, John Hall. Um, I forget his name. I don't know if they really named him in the film, but they're always in the cafe giving him shit and they give him that like rat sandwich. But he's down there and he's going like freaking Rambo whenever he's like unleashing the hose on the rats. (laughs) Just like, dude, get over yourself. No, and surfing safari playing while the rats are like (laughs) hanging out to the wind. That is a Stephen King touch right there. That Uh. was great. Man, this is great. This is um, this is streaming on Voodoo. You can buy it in uh, 1080p and uh, in, in HD, beautiful HD. But uh, I don't know if this has been scheduled for any Blu-ray release or anything like that. But you can get it to, in high def there. You can own it, you can rent it. But um, but yeah, it 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 looks pretty great. And I I don't know. I just had a lot of fun revisiting this. This was one of the kind of I don't know. Did, did, how is this respected as far as the, you know, the, the Stephen King canon of films? Where is this on the kind of the uh, the chart as far as really good adaptations to to shit adaptations? I really dug it. I, I, would, I would put it more towards the top. Yeah, I loved it. I think if you're talking about how it's regarded, it's actually pretty low. If huh. it get if it gets mentioned at all, people are like, oh, the giant rat movie. Um, but if you actually sit down and watch it, yeah, it's a, but that was kind of the concept. And I think it's it's a nice, tight, little, weird, grimy, fun little mm-hmm. movie. I love the creature design, too. Like, once I realized oh. that it was like this bat thing, I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, because it kind of envelops somebody in its wings, you know? And you're like, oh, my God, like, that moment is... It's really cool. And I, I think they do a good job. Like you can tell it's kind of a lower budget, but they, I think they get a bang for their buck with the creature design. And in, with me, like monster movies are my thing. And I, when you, you can actually get a believable, kind of believable creature, I mean, you, you can tell they're kind of hiding some things. They're not showing the full creature in all its glory. Um, but the way that they did it, like I really had a lot of fun with kind of seeing the creature when they finally reveal it and everything. And they kind of do a good job of, uh, kind of hiding it for the first part of the movie like most you know the whole jaws concept of hiding the monster until the end of the film and yeah um, they built it really well yeah yeah you know i i I dug it so awesome do you have anything else to say about uh graveyard shift or brad you've been quiet on graveyard shift i know you like it but you've been you've been kind of uh quiet are you falling asleep 
No, no, I'm just, I, I'm agreeing with pretty much everything you say. <laughs> I mean, I remember seeing it when I was a young kid and I've always really liked it. And like, I, I feel it's a quick movie. It flows very, very well. Um, you know, it takes a couple unexpected deaths. It's, uh, yeah. you know, um, good, fun creature effects. I, feel I like hate even... rats. I'm kidding. I love rats. Who am I kidding? <laughs> <clears throat> I feel like even um, with the yeah, it's a fun movie. Yeah, even with the characters that are kind of despicable, you kind of still kind of like that they're there. They're just they're they're written well enough, and they're, it's entertaining enough that you actually they're not completely off putting, even though they are. You, you <laughs> get their slime balls, but they they're kind of endearing in a way. You can yeah, no, when they they're like. Uh, here's your lunch and they serve him the rat <laughs> on the burger like normally i get so mad at movie bullies because i'm i'm a little bit of an idiot and i just get <laughs> angry at mean people even if they're fictional but in this one i'm like so they took the time they handled a rat <laughs> right and they prepared a sandwich and they like went through this whole thing for him to basically lift the napkin look at them and then drop the napkin <laughs> <laughs> yeah like who really came out on top on that in that situation they had to get their hands dirty morons but that's the part of the charm because like they are just kind of these morons you know and uh they're not they really have that anything going on in their uh, life small town small towns are bullshit um <laughs> anyway hey what's up all you people from garner iowa that i grew up in you guys still there you guys still at garner you go to the one bar that one bar y'all working over at imt How's life Man, going? Man, throwing so much fucking shade on the show. I know. Fuck you, if Iowa. If we had any listeners in that town. Damn, dude. Fucking Iowa talk. listener just dropped. The one listener. Like, there's, you know, there's one really good, there's one awesome Iowa listener. That is the Mike. What's up, the Mike? Yay. We love you. <laughs> so there's one, there's one good thing about Iowa. But the rest of you can go to hell. No, I'm kidding. You're great. Never been there. Can't say a thing. <laughs> Iowa shit. All right, moving along. Let's jump into our feature presentation. The forest of uh, bad things that happen. Oh, Wait, oh, what's it called? Forest Hold of on. Lost Souls. But hey, I wanted to go back because I, I remembered because oh. I'm looking at my tapes. Okay. I'm looking at my tapes. Also, there was another film, um, Steph. That you might enjoy. Um, it's called uh, "A Gun for Jennifer," and, okay. and it's a um, it's another one where a woman um, is uh, she's um, they're, they're not it's not really rape revenge. It's more like physical abuse. A woman's on the run, and she like is from I think New York, and she moves to like you know, fucking Pennsylvania or uh, Iowa or fucking Ohio or something like that. And then she gets in with these, um, uh, women, um, murderous women who go around killing abusive men. And, um, on the tape, it says right here, let me pull it up. Tape says dead men don't rape. (laughs) 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 That's true. It is. It. I mean, it is kind of a. Um, it is. I mean, I guess it is uh, rape revenge, but um, it's. I don't believe it's in the U.S. I think it's French, if I remember correctly. Am I um, able to actually watch it, or? 
Probably not legal. You have the one <laughs> copy of it, and you're recommending it to me. He's yes. about to sell it for one point five million dollars. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, a gun for Jennifer. I'll see if if I can get you a copy. But I just to clarify, the story's been done a few times, like after probably like Act of Vengeance. If there's something before the seventies. But yeah, that was the other because I knew that there was another one. I just haven't watched it in a while. I'll probably watch it soon. But yeah, awesome. Gun for Jennifer. It's really good. Gun for Jennifer. Don't tell my wife about this film. <laughs> I get it. Dead men don't rape. <laughs> Dead men don't rape. That's a great tagline because they don't. They really don't. There's just no way because there's the heart's not pumping. There's no okay. blood flowing. All right. They cannot stop? get an erection oh my at all. God. <laughs> Jesus, dude. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into our feature presentation. Wild Eyes release of The Forest of Lost Souls. Now, Yay. this is directed by Jose Pedro Lopez. Lopez? Is that right? You go right ahead, Lopes. Sean. You should know. No, you're the, you're the oh wild eye God, expert. Dude. You live Why in California. Well, well no, Lopes? but I'm, I'm confused because you, usually <laughs> Lopez ends with a Z. This is, ends with an S. So I don't know if it's Lopes or Lopez. Portuguese, I'm not, I'm not man. Sure. Um, so Fucking Portuguese, bro. Is, oh, it's Portuguese. Oh, shit. Yeah, I should know this because I'm part Portuguese. No, you're not. I am. Not now. (laughs) I legitimately am. All my ancestors would be basically uh, kicking my ass right now. To my my great pappy, I'm sorry. Um, That's not a Portuguese word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You can't even say that right. Look. I'm completely I've Americanized. I have no idea. Uh all I know is like my mom told me. <laughs> no, I'm part you're not Portuguese. Americanized, you're fucking white. <laughs> yeah, no. Hundred percent. So when people say you got Portuguese heritage, I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm like freaking white as fuck. So I'm all I, I don't I, white AF. Yeah. Uh, um anyway, so Portuguese, that's funny. I just assumed this was Spanish the whole time. I suck. So the force of lost God. souls. Look at I'm look at I'm all about being truthful on this podcast. I'm not going to I'm not going to try to put up a front. And if I'm a total asshole and an idiot, that's just how I come across right now. And I'm sorry. Apologies uh, all around. But this <laughs> is available right now on streaming on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, this is going to be getting a physical release. And um, but right now, like I said, you can get it. You can rent it for a few bucks on Amazon now, Prime. October. And in October, Blu-ray, the Blu-ray, October. the Blu-ray was Blu-ray, right? This is going to get a Blu-ray release. Yep. Doing a Blu-ray None of these one. bullshit DVD only Walmart wild eye releases. Oh my God. 
Because I heard if you watch a movie on DVD, the movie's not good. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you buy it at Walmart. All right, I'm being facetious. I apologize. Um, facetious. You're being facetious. I'm being, right. Hey, y'all want to talk about some fajitas? No. Okay, so there's a Spanish, Spanish oh, Mexican movie called First Last Oh, my. you can't. You need to God. stop. You need to stop. Can we stop. just talk about the fucking movie? I'm done. I'm done. I apologize. That's the IPA I'm drinking talking. Please don't hold this against the movie, everybody. It's really beautiful. It is, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I no, no, completely... no. How about if you're not allowed to talk anymore? Nah, I'm done. <laughs> I, I was, I'm trying to turn it over right. to you guys. I keep fucking Steph, it all up. So you, I'm sorry. Steph, would you please talk about Forest Lost Souls? Okay. Um, well, I'm. Oh, well, see, I was judging and now I'm the spot. <laughs> I'm on the spot. I'm taking a deep breath. Stephanie, go. Um, this really is a beautiful film. Uh, really well shot. I said, Stephanie, you're Stephanie, doing it go. again. Stephanie, what do you think? Well, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, I, I like to. I usually like to go into movies as blind as possible. And I pretty much, I didn't even get the scoop from Brad or anything. I, I looked at the poster. I was like, oh, it's like artistic. And, you know, maybe it's about this young girl who's like one with the wilderness or something. And the beginning of it, it they're in a forest that's notorious for people going there to commit suicide. And there's a man there. He's middle-aged. And we're not given much background on him at the beginning. We just know he's decided to end his life. And he runs into this, uh, I don't, is she about like 1920, I think? Yeah, something like that. I had to guess. Um, and she she's sassy. Uh, and she visits the forest a lot. Uh, she knows it well. She's suicidal herself, but she hasn't quite gone through with it. And... Uh, they they forge what seems to be kind of an interesting, unusual short-term friendship based on this incredibly unusual circumstance they're both in. But then the, the film, I really don't want to ruin anything. It's short and so impactful. And I really... Even though I, I went in blind, I, I didn't get an inkling of where it was going at all. And when it, it took a it took a big turn. Uh oh, wow. <laughs> I really I really like this. Um but yeah, you it, it seems like a very meditative, like, oh, it, it's gonna be kind of a dream like artsy film because it's really beautiful. It's mm -hmm. in a very unusual setting for a horror or even a thriller film. And I guess the second half of it, you could almost say it becomes slightly more conventional in a really unconventional way. And that sounds like kind of a trite statement, but I really don't want to give anything away. But, but um, it was really unexpected. It beautifully shot, beautifully acted. I thought the pacing was incredible because it kind of it gives you kind of that lulling you're almost like floating through it and then it, it throws in some shocks it almost feels like someone's kind of when you're floating on water it kind of shoves you over and you're like whoa what happened and you look around and nothing's there and you let yourself relax a little bit again you float along a little bit more and you get disturbed again 
And I just really enjoyed the journey. This a very unique film. I really enjoy. I I have no idea if anything I said made sense. There's a lot <laughs> no, of silence yeah. going on, but no, it 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 made it was beautiful how you were explaining it, Steph. <laughs> no, I'm I'm of course biased on the thing. I was a fan of the film before any of the Wild Eye stuff. I got to see it um, um, early, early, maybe it was late last year. I got to see it, and um, I was actually helping program a festival, and I was sent the movie, and um, you know, it just it it hit me, and I was like, man, this is so good. It's seventy minutes. It's so well paced, so quick. It has a huge twist in it. Like you just, it, it kind of hits you like on your butt. You don't don't really expect um, the kind of the turn of events that happen. And um, I, I just, I I fell in love with it then and there, and I've been a supporter ever since. And it's got a fantastic score as well. Um, yeah, it's just everything about it, and I mean, it does look art. Like that's the thing is that we have we have so many films that, uh, as horror, horror films go, we have you know a really good scary film. We have a really good um, you know maybe intense film. We have a film that has a great soundtrack. We have a film that has great cinematography, but all that stuff kind of isn't blended together sometimes. And that's kind of what Forest of Lost Souls is. It has everything that you want in in horror film, other than being maybe overly scary in this one because it's not. But it's, um, it's more just it's more disturbing, I think, than scary. You know what I mean? Like there's just this kind of sense. I mean, of, yeah, there's some disturbing qualities about the yeah, film for sure. Yeah, it's not but, like um, a, it's not a scary film, but it definitely there's a sense of perturbing. Yeah, it's disturbing, and there's a, there is a, a a little sense of dread kind of lingering, you know. What do you think, Sean? <clears throat> I I really I really respect I okay. I started this whole segment off like like a complete moron, and uh, I apologize, but. Uh, in all seriousness, this this film, like it's a beautiful, beautifully shot film. I really respect uh, the director. I think this is a really good calling card for uh, for for Jose Pedro Lopez. Um, and I really want to see what he does next because I connected the most with in the beginning of the film with the girl and and the old guy and on those conversations, I was hooked because. Because you're kind of, you're exploring the idea of suicide. Like, what would bring this guy out to this forest to basically want to end himself? And there's kind of this, like, weird macabre humor uh, dialogue going back and forth between the two, the two characters. And I was really wrapped up in that. And um, as the film moved forward, I kind of, it, 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 does, it does take a, a turn. And I almost, I didn't, I wasn't along for the ride once it takes the turn. Because I, I really loved the the beginning setup and this idea of two strangers meeting in this like suicide forest like that's such a fantastic premise so i i kind of wasn't going along with it once it kind of takes a turn but i can i really do respect the film 
And it's short enough that I would definitely give it another shot. It's only 70 minutes. But there's so much, there's so many ideas and even like um, philosophical ideas in this 70 minutes that it's almost warrants a second watch because there is a lot going on beneath the surface. It's not just some, you know, horror film or shocker or anything like that. Like you, you are intrigued at what's going on and, and I do love um, our main character, um, this girl. I'm not sure I, what what was her name. The the main character, Carolina. Carolina, she's fantastic, and you and you really do kind of you're intrigued by her, and you're kind of uh, you don't know what to think about her, and, and as you kind of go on the journey through the film, I don't, and I don't, I'm. Trying to say all this without giving anything away because I really do think people need to go into this completely blind and just enjoy this film for what it is. But it definitely is. It feels like something that I would have gone to some small little artsy art theater. Um, and I went to a lot when I was living in I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma for a while and we would go to all these. There was a cool little nightlife in in the middle of Oklahoma, which is a crazy you know, barren state, but Tulsa and even Oklahoma City. Not there's where a cool... Hanson is from. <laughs> yeah, the, exactly. I I, <laughs> I ran into them uh, a couple of times, but um, but there is a kind of a cool little art scene, and and I would go to these small little uh, screenings of of like Gus Van Sant films and things like that back when he back before uh whatever that Ben Affleck movie was and Matt Damon um or whatever I don't know. But um, but we would see if we 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 would watch films like this, and this this feels like a film that would be discovered in that kind of setting, and I, I I'm really kind of excited to to see more people discover this because um, I do want to see what his next film will be. So it wasn't like as a whole, I wasn't completely enraptured by the film, but there's enough in it for me to to really respect it and to really hope that like. I really hope this director has a long and um, successful career because I think there is a lot of talent um, on in this little, little 70 minute film that I almost need to kind of unpack it again. But uh, it's definitely worth watching. I didn't really connect with it as a whole, but I, I do think it, I have a lot of respect for it. That's where I'm at. Cool. <laughs> So sling a few bucks his way and, and rent it. And Brad, um, are they now is Wild Eye including? Because this is a film I would I would want to kind of dig into. Is there commentary or anything like that that they're, that they're working on, or what's the what's what are the specs for the Blu-ray once it comes out? Because this is um, a film I'd really love to kind of dig into on a deeper level. I don't think anything has been official yet, but okay. it will have special features. Yes. Cool. Yeah, because this is one. So, this is a, a film that would, would want to kind of let simmer and really kind of dig into what uh, went into the film and the philosophy behind it, and even like this idea of this forest um, where people go to commit suicide. I know that in there was a movie called The Forest, which took place in Japan, that had this kind of idea, but that film didn't uh, really land. I. Uh, the idea was greater than the film itself. So I really do love that idea. And I think there's a lot to be explored through that. So I, th I think they did a pretty good job of exploring that in this film. Yay. 
<laughs> yeah. And if you want to get really crass with the marketing, um, you can use Logan Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> Don't get um, so silent after that, man. I'm trying to be edgy here. I, <laughs> I need your guys' support. <laughs> well, this like the thing about this film is like it's such a it's such a like disturbing subject and something that does cause for kind of some pause. You know, like you're you're kind of like this is a place where people go to off themselves. You know what I mean? Like that's like a really if you think about when, when you start when you stop to kind of think about it, like. Uh, it's a very deep subject to just start thinking about, you know, and what would get what would bring someone to a place in their life to go off and just, you know, uh, kill themselves and who would who would find them in this forest. And um, there's just so much going on with that idea that I just love the idea. And I wish they would have kind of stuck with that idea more. But I don't know how that I don't know how you can make a feature length film out of that idea with what they were doing here. Um but uh, but I do. I I I do really respect it. I say res- I'm yeah, saying respect okay. a lot on this film, but <laughs> but the cinematography is fantastic. The black and white cinematography is just fantastic. Every frame is is a work of art in this film, um, especially when she's in you know, when there's the with with her and 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 the lake and then walking into the lake and like that cinematography is just it's all fan. It's it's really beautiful. It's a beautiful film. Thank you for the kind words. I feel like I'm talking too much right now. But yeah, check it out. A little bit. Check it out, everybody. Amazon (laughs) Prime. And uh, you can rent it for... I'm trying to find the prices of this. I think I paid like... $7.99 to buy, $3.99 to rent. Oh, $3.99. Rent it for $3.99. Blu-ray October 9th or something, I think. Yeah. Brad, if I can uh, implore you to, once you find out what the features are... If you can uh, let us know, I will because, text you immediately. Because for me, that's something like <laughs> text me first. <laughs> a lot of times in films like this, like that, really helps me. Kind of, I guess. I don't know. Sometimes when you kind of learn more about a film and the ideas behind it, it does enhance the film. And that's something that, like, in a film like this, immediately I would have gone straight to the special features and watched whatever they had. And I didn't have it that was available. our first theatrical film, huh? Our first theatrical film that we've released. Yeah. How do you guys open it? Like what? What was the like your release strategy with it? Um, I mean, it hits. Uh, it's a lot of art house theaters, smaller mm-hmm. theaters. It gets into more theaters. It's still opening. It, it's still coming to places. I know it like opens in Chicago on the thirtieth. Um. So like I mean it's still it's still running it still has um, a few screens here and there but it's mostly big cities. Okay. Yeah, check it out. So, I, would, I would love to see. I would love to be able to go to an event to an event and see this uh, in like an art house type setting. I mean, it really does lend itself to that, and it reminds me of. Um, I'm, I live in like suburbia out in Southern California. I'm away from all the art house stuff. And this is a film that I that when thinking back to when I, when I used to go to a lot of art house theaters, like this is something that I would definitely w- would love to see and discuss. Like this is a this is a discussion film, and whenever I would see films like this, we would head out to the coffee shop or grab a beer or whatever and just 
talk about the film and like th- this definitely does lend itself to that while also being you know having this kind of horror like you know underlying horror to the film you drunk um, what are you drunk i am not drunk no <laughs> am i talking too much no that- i'm just asking I would, I would, I would love to drink some beers and talk about this uh, film with with like minded people for sure. I, I, uh, I'll talk with you about it. <laughs> okay. I'm biased, of course, but you know. Well, uh, in this case, I think your bias is warranted. Uh, I think definitely people should check this out, and uh, if you if you have a chance to see that, what I'm. I'm going a long way around of saying if you have a chance to see this in an art house theater near you, if you're in an area that has that, definitely grab everyone uh, you can, head out and see it, and uh, have some awesome discussion afterwards. That's all. That's all I'm saying. So that's that's really what I'm trying to get at. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> all right. Anything else to say about the Forest of Lost Souls? Speak now or forever hold your peace. I'm taking that as a no. <laughs> you did all the me... talking. You did all the talking. Yeah. Did I? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just talking because no, no one else was. And I'm trying to make up for my assholery uh, in introducing the film. You did a great job. Did I redeem myself? <laughs> that was the goal. Beautiful. <laughs> to redeem myself from the horrific opening. Uh, Stephanie, thank you for jumping in and saving uh, that segment. Yes, Stephanie is lovely, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. All right, it um, is getting it is getting late. We need to start wrapping up. This has been the longest episode ever. I think we're on hour number seven uh, on the Screamcast, so we're going to start wrapping up. I want to give a shout-out to all of our sponsors. You can head over to thescreamcast.com slash sponsors. Of course, Vinegar Syndrome, we need to give them a huge shout out. We're going to be doing a Vinegar Syndrome extravaganza very soon. I have a stack of movies I need to start watching, and that will happen very soon. So keep uh, your eyes open for that. I do need to delete on their website uh, the link to Exploitation TV. And uh, I've tried to get them on record talking about it, but apparently that is dead or dying. Uh, May it rest in peace. But I believe, uh, I think Shudder took some films, and I think there's another streaming service that's going to be picking up some of the um, the X-rated films. So I want to, for the, on the next Vinegar Syndrome episode, I want to try to get them to talk about it. And because when I tried to bring it up last time, they when I had them on, they, <laughs> they didn't want to talk <laughs> about it because shit was yeah. The it's fan. on Amazon Prime and the. Um, the bluer movies on hotmovies.com. Awesome. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So check them out. Uh, give them some love uh, with that. But yes, it's sad. I mean, running a streaming service is, is tough. And, uh, you know, it's a, whatever. It, it is what it is. Um, also give Coffee Shop of Horrors some love. You can put in this, the code SCREAMCAST and get 10% off of your order. Also, as always, a huge shout out to grindhousevideo.com. Check them out for all of your exploitation and horror needs, your sci-fi, B-movies, all that shit. Uh, good stuff. Say hello to Mike. If 
you're in the area, the Tampa area, definitely check out uh, check out the brick and mortar store. I'm always jealous when people start posting pictures of uh, of their visits to the store. Music, of course, by Wolfman of Mars and our design artwork and all that shit done by Kevin Spencer. Huge shout out to him. Um, of course, if you want to support the podcast, we would love to keep doing this. We'd love to keep growing. We'd love to be able to start offering uh, more exclusives to members of Club Scum. Let's see here. Where did it go? I want to give a shout out to our newest Club Scum member, Rob. Rob Rubinate, our newest Club Scum member. Thank you, Rob. You will be getting a official Club Scum card and some stickers very soon. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week's Screamcast. I want to thank all of you for listening. Head over to thescreamcast.com and uh, click on the shop link. Buy some merch. Buy some Screamcast merch. If you're a, And if you're a Club Scum member, you get like a 20% discount on some mugs and stickers and stuff. So, I mean, come on. I mean, that's that's awesome, right? It's late. I'm done talking. Uh, we'll talk to all of you guys next time. Bye-bye. It was beautiful. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun.